Hey, just want to take a quick break from this episode so I could tell you guys about how I just launched my new Patreon page. If you don't know about Patreon, it's a great way for people to support creators with a monthly subscription. Becoming a Patreon supporter can even come with a few perks, like early access to new episodes and getting special shoutouts on the podcast. I've recently started working part-time at my job so I can focus more time and energy on the podcast and YouTube channel. So any support would be massively appreciated, and it helps me towards my hope of making this my full-time job someday. So if you want to help support me in that, please head over to patreon.com slash hooptheory. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash hooptheory. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome to the Tracy McGrady episode of the Hoop Theory Podcast, aka episode 62. My name is Logan Wortman, and as usual, I am joined by my clean co-host, Jacob Roth. We're recording this on the evening of Monday, October 30th. Jacob, how does it feel to be on the Tracy McGrady episode? It feels great. Um, it feels really good, actually. Tracy McGrady, all-time. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that I feel like is all-time, but like gets forgotten about first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think maybe it's because of partly the era he played in where it was like the weird end of Jordan pre Kobe yeah. being like, I am Kobe, but then he like trickled in that. So I think it's just kind of like that weird where there might have never been a year where he was the best shooting guard, but he was always up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was a real Kobe versus T Mac debate early on in their careers. Um, I think mainly it was just like T Mac was never on a great team. And he struggled with like injury luck and you know Markets. all that kind of stuff. Also, so, he just didn't have the the Lakers brand. Yeah, too. Mm-hmm. To be a big part of it, and obviously, I think in the long run, Kobe's longevity is one of the big pieces that I think makes him like even in that conversation even more because of how long he was. Because you can't count all twenty years as like great basketball because it wasn't at the end. It was just like that's a veteran that's kind of just still playing. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I feel like if you go back and like. Obviously, there was 15 to 16 really, really good Kobe years. Mm-hmm. Like, there was very few where he was on the downhill, quote-unquote. And I think that's a, yeah, a big piece of it. For uh, sure. And well. they kind of pained me to actually pick Tracy McGrady for this one because initially, the first guy my mind goes to for 62 points, career high, is obviously my guy, Carmelo Anthony. But uh, we already did him for episode 7. And Tracy McGrady, I looked up like who else has their career career high at 62. I was like, well, T-Mac doesn't have have his own episode yet. So it would feel wrong to rob him of this opportunity. I also Um, saw an interesting thing and I will try to find the graphic, uh, but I can explain it relatively easily. It's kind of, we were talking about Kobe. Kobe was on this graphic. It was a guy tweeted, this is the hardest basketball question I've ever been asked. Okay. Is what, in the image, okay. Uh-huh. It said, uh, this starting lineup, who do you put on? Or these six guys, who goes to the bench? Everyone's in their prime. Okay. Yeah. Going from left to right, based on memory, I could have the order a little bit jumbled up. Anyway, it goes LeBron, Steph, Michael Jordan, Kobe, Shaq, and KD. 
Wow. Who's on the bench? I think it's not a hard question. Uh, so you said, I haven't seen this. I thought you were going to list a different six because I there was one that I've been seeing lately that was a completely different six um, other than I think K- KD might have been in that one. But um, so you said LeBron, Kobe, K- Jordan. Kobe, Jordan. So LeBron, Jordan, KD, Steph, Shaq. Oh, and Steph. Wow. And okay. Steph, so, but like, it's like who sits on the bench? So if you go through systematically, Shaq's your center. For sure. I'd say Locked Kobe. In. Kobe would have yeah, to be. Yeah, it has the, to be easily. Because, yeah. like, I mean, he's just, him and Jordan are like versions of each other. And Jordan's obviously the. One's the knockoff, respectively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, how, how would that be difficult in my brain? Because, like, that just, it's not hard. Yeah. You want it to be hard? Maybe it's not. No, that's, I mean, that's the whole reason people rank Kobe in the top three players of all time is because they want him to be there. But um, More than he actually is. Yeah, which that's a, that's a thing I think we should get into sometime. I don't know is if he, it should be today, but. Here's the name of the episode. Get ready for it. Is Kobe even top 10? And it'll be me doing this. That, <laughs> uh, I think the answer is yes, but I think it's way closer to 10 uh, than people think. Yeah, I would agree. Like, it might be 10. I think it's about... I think when I've uh, made lists before, he's usually around the 8 range. Like, he's, like, like on par with... uh, Yeah, it is iconic. But he's on par with, like, Hakeem Olajuwon, like, around that level, you know? That's not disrespectful, everyone. At Uh, all. The NBA's been going for 75 years. There's been a lot of good basketball players... And this is an, this will probably be in that episode when we do one when there's some week that we want to touch on it. And maybe it'll be soon. Um, there's going to be a point where what our brains, when we were like 12, recognized as top 10, in order to have like the same like uh, uh, guys that deserve to be top 10, mm-hmm. the list is going to be 20 guys in 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you'll just have to have, because then you get to the like, okay, does Luka get into that conversation? Does Jokic get into that conversation? LeBron's obviously already there. Uh, Steph's in the ballpark. You know, like, mm-hmm. there's guys that are like, well, you can't leave them out of the top 10. Well, somebody's got to be left out or else it's yeah. not 10. And just For eventually sure. that top 10 to have the same, like, level of guys, mm-hmm. it's just going to turn into a top 20. Yeah. Yeah, for and, sure. And that's just the beauty of having... I'm also curious to look back and see, like, is this going to be looked at as, like, one of the strongest eras of basketball like this, what this we're era? living through i feel right like now. it is yeah like mm-hmm. the the tail end of lebron through what we'll call like the end of luca that's like a, could be a giant stretch but like whatever era whatever you want to say it ends but we'll say lebron starting in la mm. after the whole Cavs warriors only in the finals thing yeah that's a good that's a good year to pick like at that point on i feel like the nba has done nothing but get more and more competitive and i think when you add two teams it won't blow everything up no not at all i don't think so it just turns into this like what happens yeah (laughs) you know what i mean uh i'm not it's 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 a lot of that was a wild way to get from t-mac to anyway shout out to tracy mcgrady tracy mcgrady episode um talking about the joys of basketball uh are we ready to jump into the terrible parts yeah stupid city edition courts yeah take it away what in the doo-doo shoes are these so if anybody didn't know, this past Friday, we're recording this October 30th, as Logan's, Logan said, day before Halloween. Ooh. <laughs> um, uh, and 
there's this big new in-season tournament. It's a big, big hype. So the NBA tweets last Friday, keep your eyes out peeled Monday, and then just tweeted ambiguous stripes mm-hmm. on the official NBA X. Sorry, they X'd. What is a tweet? Is it still a tweet? What is it? I think it, I just say tweet. I don't know. It's, it's an a, X. It's an X post is what Did, I think they, Elon wants it to be called. But And that doesn't roll off the tongue with a darn. Bro. No, at all. Not at all. And uh, you know what's even worse? X videos. Or X pictures. Oh. That's what you would call. The, because you know? of the connotation of the letter X and the adult film industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yo, that, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even, <laughs> that's crazy. It's just wild that he wants it to be called that. But Well, he, everything in his life is X. Yeah, for some reason. Um, but anyway, it's a cool letter. I mean, cro- maybe it's a cross. Yo, I was crossing on X. Nah, it's stupid. It's just whatever. I was tweeting on X. Yeah. Uh, that's it. But anyway, NBA tweeted just a bunch of stripes of various colors, and everybody's like, Oh, it's the official City Edition jersey drop. And I'm like, that would be fine. Like, mm-hmm. we'd actually get a no for sure instead of hypotheticals. They found a way to make it worse. Um, so what it is, is during the tournament, when it is a quote-unquote tournament game, from what I understand, yep. the home team will rock a specific court. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, well, that's a cool idea. And I would agree with you until you look at it in practice. Um, Logan, I'm looking at a graphic that has like all of them just on one thing. If you want, yeah, to I can, s- I can see it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because we're we're doing something new today, everybody in the background. You don't know it, but we're doing something new. Anyway, um, <laughs> I see an actual two wood colored courts on this entire screen. Yeah, two, and like so the thing that I think because they tried to make them work with the jerseys. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, there are some aggressive ones. Like, have you ever looked uh, in the formerly known as Staples Center, Crypto Arena or whatever, and yeah. look down and be like, you know what I think there should be more of on that court? Lakers yellow. Make the whole court Lakers yellow and then throw a running runway strip of purple down the center. Yeah. Just and to keep perfect. in mind, the jerseys they'll be wearing for these are their city editions, I believe, which are the black ones. So, Which is... Okay, that'll work. Yeah. Uh, let's hop over to the east. Let's take a gander. Um, you know what I love? Heat red. I want to look at an entire heat red basketball court with not a white strip. That would be egregious. Let's make it gray for some reason. <laughs> uh, and they're rocking black. Heat culture. Is yeah. that real or confirmed? I'm I think pretty confirmed. sure. I think it was. Uh, uh, who, who's another all-timer here? Uh, one that I'm excited to see how the jerseys look to the court because the connection doesn't feel like it should be this team. Uh, it is up in Toronto, the the Great White North, the Six, mm-hmm. as uh, it's colloquially called by the locals. <laughs> um, it is charcoal gray outsides with a slate gray runway. All these are the same format. I guess I should explain that. So it's a, a color, like a team. It's team colors with a run strip in the middle, and then the free throw lines build what I'm assuming is going to be the trophy that you win for winning the midseason tournament. Yeah, it's in the shape of the trophy, which is like a V shape. It's like a V with like the free throw line being the top of this flat little crown thing. Yeah. And then in the center of the court, they also have that exact same trophy with the team's branding on it. Um, mm-hmm. And some of them are fine. Some of them I'm like... 
The Cleveland's, I'm like, rock that all the time. Just get rid of the stupid midseason trophy one. It I kind of like Minnesota's too, honestly. Minnesota's is kind of cool. I got to make sure I'm fine. Minnesota's, that's a lot of blue. I like. Yeah. I think I would like it if it was wood colored, maybe on the outside where it's the baby blue, and you saw that strip of blue down the middle. Yeah, but it's kind of like ice blue. Okay, you know, it's kind of the one cool. that I think is the most trans just transgressions against the crown. Yeah, there's two, but I'll go with my front runner, New Orleans. It is a dark purple court <laughs> with a lime green down the middle. Yeah, to match their jerseys. Yeah. Which are pretty awful jerseys, too. So, And then New York, just a lot of orange. It's fine. Just a lot of orange. Yeah. It's all orange. Nick's orange with the blue in the middle. Um, these really feel like they were made in MS Paint. Yeah. I. It's hard for me to imagine a lot of these courts. Um, it, I'll be interested to see what they look like on the game, like on TV. Um and that that is kind of where my opinions will be solidified. But I'm I'm all up for like changing things up, you know, and uh, trying master new things, class but. Utah with the sunset Moab, wah wah perfection. Mm-hmm. They matched their jersey to the court. They did it beautifully. When um, Memphis rocks the Vancouver Grizzly in the center, they changed it out. But I just think it's they're not prepared for this much color. It's going to be brutal to watch. Yeah, like it'll be interesting for sure. Just, I feel. Have you ever looked at like a poster and it was yellow with black writing, and you're like, <laughs> "Let me recover." Yeah, that's gonna be the entire game on the Lakers court. That's what it looks like, and that's why I, yeah, I, I just, I'm so curious to see players standing on these. You know what I mean? And then, and some of them aren't the worst. Just some of them are so unfortunately unfortunate yeah boston's Uh, i like i don't hate boston's but i wish it was flipped i that's all i want make the boston in the middle white instead of green make the landing strip be green and the outsides be parquet parquet i think it's protected parquet right i have no idea how it's pronounced i've always thought it was parquet and then somebody says parquet and so now i'm like self-conscious i'm sticking with parquet protect the parquet it's probably parquet because it's french anyway (laughs) <laughs> like, but that on the outside with that dark green strip with the everything the same, just a white Boston instead of the green they've got. I, mm-hmm. I, ah, <laughs> ah, yeah. Um, I, that's as about as far as my opinions go. Like, like I said, I, I, they, it definitely looks iffy. Like, um, <laughs> I but I do, it. I just will kind of want to see it happen, honestly. Uh, I, and there's it's just more the why. Yeah, I think like, I'm I looking get, at Chicago's. They really They're, want the in season t- tournament to feel very different than which the regular season. I totally am behind and I support, and mm-hmm. I believe the Larry O'Brien should be in the center of every finals game, like it used to be. I don't know if it always was like that, but like Celtics in 08 had the giant Larry O'Brien. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that is awesome. Yeah, for sure. Makes the court. It just makes it that much more. Yeah, I and agree. when you watch a, a a clip from two years ago, and you look, you're like, "Oh, that was a finals game. Mm-hmm. That that craziness just happened." Yeah, because of the giant. I love that they brought back that, and hopefully, it makes it so teams will do it for the finals more. Mm-hmm. But I just think that this feels like a 12 year old on 2K went wild. 
Yeah, I agree, I agree with that, uh, which is kind of cool at, at, from one viewpoint of like seeing those wild thoughts that you used to have playing 2K come to life, you know? But uh, at the same time, it's also seems like it's a bit too much. Okay, also, Just at first aren't the glance. Suns jerseys purple? Um, I think they're black, right? I thought they're purple with the Lavelle Valet. They might be. Just like, how did team, they just, yeah, they're purple. They're the same shade of purple as the court. I can get yeah. off of this. This it just, It's just weird to me. It is weird, for sure. And I this agree. also and makes sense why every single team city, almost every single city, they're all black. All of them. Because yeah, none of these courts are, are black. Mm-hmm. The only one that's kind of close is the one that I think is pretty good, and that is uh, Toronto's because they've got those gold jerseys. Right? Isn't Toronto's gold this yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. And that'll look kind of cool tra- contrasted with this gray. But mm-hmm. And Utah. I know their jersey is purple. They rocked two tones of purple. Yeah, at least the, the purple they're wearing is going to be really dark, I guess. But So, like, it, it won't be confused with the court. Which is least. good. I, it's... Ah, it's just a lot. I'm very excited, and I think that it's cool that they're giving City Editions, like, a, a purpose instead of just be like, oh, play them whenever. Just wear them. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I oh, think... which that's something I wanted to bring up with you sometime. I listened to a really... It was an old podcast that came out back in May. I don't know if you listened to One Shining Podcast from The Ringer with uh, Tate Frazier. No, I do not. Uh, but he... So he had this whole episode about... Steph Curry, the branding of Steph Curry uh, and his war with Nike over the years, basically. But one of the things he said in there was really interesting was apparently Nike has complete like control over like they decide what team wears what jersey, what game they make all of those decisions. The teams do not decide what what their jerseys look like or when they wear them. Do they do that for the NFL, too? I have no idea. I would like to know because the NFL, I've been big on this NFL's doing throwbacks very well. But the New Orleans Saints need their gold pants on the road back and they played the Colts and they were all whites. And I'm like, you know what you could have done? You beat the Colts in Super Bowl 46 or whatever, which one it was. I think it was 46. Whatever. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Gold bottoms, white tops. It would have been the perfect game to bring them back. And then everybody has just this obsession with all white everywhere yeah it's it's fine it doesn't matter and does nike make the jerseys for yes the nfl it does it's the only team that like kind of gets around it as i think it's green bay still looks like the old reebok jerseys in visual but it's still nike that makes it okay like reebok reebok not back reebok had like the dots in the like the holes in the jersey and then like the green bay still i think it's green bay still looks like that but Mm -hmm. it's nike made they like they kept the template as yeah. close as they could without the weird copyright garbage and yeah that makes sense all of that but that is an interesting that's crazy that yeah that's i mean i me. get that the if you made like a new jersey you'd want it to be like even if it sucks wear it six times four times whatever mm-hmm. um but that is just very different than actually i know for a, unless nike like listens sometimes because like the cowboys don't wear blue they always wear their what people would consider in football aways, but they wear their all white. Yeah. Their white jerseys, they always wear them. Because I think they've only won Super Bowls in that jersey. There's some weird superstition thing. So then, uh, like, when like whenever Dallas goes and plays in New England, New England wears their aways, so Dallas has to wear their blues. 
or they used to do this. Oh. Like if Dallas came to New England, Bill Belichick, I always thought it was him, would be like, uh, we're going to wear our whites today and make people like make them do something different. Yeah. But that makes me think that the NFL, it's not Nike picking. Um, yeah. I have no yeah. idea how it works, honestly. I just that's what I heard on, on that podcast episode. And it was interesting because he was attacking it from the angle of how Nike uh, specifically chose to make like the Warriors jerseys and courts look less less appealing in games like big playoff games against LeBron or against like other Nike athletes and uh also like the the just the fact that KD went to the Warriors and kind of overshadowed Steph for a while and KD was the second biggest Nike athlete and that happened like right after uh Steph and Nike fell fell through with each other you know yeah um it's just interesting <laughs> like they they tried to uh, halt his his brand from becoming as big as it, it, it as it would have or or whatever you want to say but um yeah that's wild <laughs> that's yeah. it's been, it's a conspiracy theory basically but it there's some in, a lot of interesting details in that one i i would suggest it to uh anybody listening one shining pod from tate frazier it, it was like in may i think it's called uh steph curry something to do with steph curry nike branding well there can't be that many uh episodes on just branding and nike in general yeah you wouldn't think yeah um, i will probably give that a listen honestly on the morrow on my way mm-hmm. to work so that'll be a good listen yeah for sure but yeah so i think that will do it on court designs right yeah, just it's fine. It's whatever. It just seems wild to me. Yeah, a little bit. I'd agree, for sure. Yeah. But uh, the next thing we wanted to talk about is the flop rule, right? Yes. So you have immediate thoughts on this that you wanted to delve into? If you want to give like, the, I just think you give like a background before I like just get derailed again. <laughs> okay, so. I like it. Uh, just right off the bat, I'm gonna say that. But I like the idea of it. Like mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to the flop rule. Mm-hmm. Marcus Smart's not here anymore. I'm not opposed. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I just uh, I yeah. Sorry. So how it works uh, for those that don't know is throughout the like the natural flow of a game. If the ref sees a player exaggerate contact or completely fabricate contract uh, contact and like flop or whatever, have some exaggerated theatrics uh they can call that but the thing is like it, they don't stop it mid-game like they don't stop the flow of the game to call it um which is one big confusion i've seen with a lot of people online is people like i hate this rule because why do they stop they stop play like 30 30 seconds too late for this both times or whatever and i was like i was arguing with a lot of people on there but it, the the thing is they wait until either the next dead ball or the next stagnant slash neutral moment in play, which is like when the ball's just kind of being walked up to walked up the court without any like ball rebounded, pressure. Rebounded, no contention, just walking up the court. Casually. Yeah, mm-hmm. they'll they can blow the whistle then when like nothing's going on, and then they'll call the flop, uh, which is is a technical foul 
but it's, but it's not an it's not an actual technical foul because it doesn't account like a player can have unlimited amount of these in a game. It doesn't count against any sort of foul limit rules. But you I know? think it does towards technical money when you get fined. Oh, probably. I Some, think that's yeah. why it's labeled as a technical foul. Is it like if and you, because it gives the other team a shot, I think is probably why it, that too. Yeah. But I might be wrong. I need to like look into the rules more, but. It's called a technical foul, but they call it a non. It's a it's. It's not a non-contact. It's a non. Oh, what do they call it? I remember him saying it on the broadcast. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't re- I don't remember, off the top of my head, what you're talking about. But um, yeah. So the uh, the other team will get one shot by any player who was on the t- uh, on the court at the time of it is the a- foul non-unsportsmanlike conduct so it's a non-unsport double negative yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty much a you're not being like a a jerk technical foul yeah. you're just yeah it's flopping so i like it because uh like you know the big p- big pushback i see from a lot of people is saying like uh you don't need to like institute a foul or a flopping foul call like just don't call the fouls on the flops like in the first place and just let them like lay there like idiots and my pushback to that is that i like i like this having the separate call for the flop uh because it's like the a lot of these plays are actually are fouls like a lot a lot of the times where people exaggerate contact a uh, contact and stuff like the, it is illegal contact um, the reason why people have grown to exaggerate it so much over the years is because you it's more likely to be called if you do try to sell it, you know, if and you so, feel like you have to. Yeah. And so players have learned to do that more and more because it it benefits them. Um, so in order to stop that, it's you shouldn't just not call fouls anymore, because then what would be the point of that? You know, like, I like that you can still call the foul, but then there's also a flopping foul that you can call in the same place. Like the one that happened in the Knicks game, Knicks and Celtics, Porzingis uh, elbowed Isaiah Hartenstein to get him off of him when they were like, you know, scrabbling over the ball. Um, And Isaiah Hartenstein like flailed and like fell to the ground really dramatically. And so they gave Hartenstein a flopping foul, but they also gave Porzingis a technical for elbowing, elbowing him in the head. So, he like the foul well, they that didn't he give Porzingis the tech. Yeah, they did. Unless there was two instances, because there was the one where, yeah, it was hard. They were both fighting for no. This was a different. There was two. Sorry, there was another one where he was like fighting for the rebound, and Porzingis had it and started doing this, and inconsequentially hit him in the head. And they didn't call that. They didn't call it initially, but on review, they did give him the technical. It was after, so play was stopped. Yep. And Hart, like, I agree. Like, Hartenstein. Because Porzingis got the rebound. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just making sure we're on the same. Yes. Yeah. So Porzingis got the rebound. Uh, the whistle was blown. Like, play was dead. Um, and so Hartenstein was like trying to grab the ball right before like the play stopped, but he just kind of kept going after the whistle was blown. So yeah. Hartenstein was in the wrong. Like, I, I agree with like the, the broadcasters were saying, like, what is Porzingis supposed to do there? You know, yeah, okay, they, yeah, they were pushing back. They they disagreed with the refs saying that it shouldn't be in but in a technical on Porzingis, which I probably agree with. Um, but I'm just just using this as an example for 
I like the fact that they're still able to call a foul on the person who, you know, uh, on the, like, they're still able to call the foul that the person is trying to sell. Yep. And also punish them for selling it. Yes. So I, I just like having that as a possibility because uh, the foul should still be like a thing that is, is uh, treated like how it's supposed to be, you know, whether or not it was illegal or not. And so, it, and it can definitely hurt them a lot more, especially when they don't get their foul call to go their way, which will happen sometimes. Uh, one of the ones that people were really mad about was the Jalen Brunson one, because the, the, it should have been a foul that he flopped on. The foul was missed, which just happened. I mean, it, hap- it, <clears throat> it happens, happens sometimes. Like there's going to be foul calls missed at every level of basketball. Um, but I don't remember who it was, but somebody was closing out on him. Tatum. Got it. Tatum, yeah. So he got in his landing area, um, and Jalen Brunson landed on top of Tatum's foot. Um, and but, but when he, he did, when he, he fell, did, but he, it was a weird deal. It, yeah, I mean it. It was. It should have been a three point foul, um, for sure. But the how Brunson land, people were defending Brunson, saying he wasn't flopping. Uh, I mean. I hesitate to call it flopping, but he, he he did exaggerate the uh the way he fell was like he threw he pro- propelled himself farther than he should have and like kind of flailed to make it look more dramatic, mm-hmm. which I think is just a natural instinct at this point for a lot of these players. Well, no, it's because you have to. This is and this is like mm-hmm. where I push back and get like your point. I get a little bit like your side. I am not in the camp of like well then just don't call those fouls. Mm-hmm. But like that's part of the. Not sportsmanship and, like, good game sportsmanship, but, like, the showmanship of the game. Like, in the NFL, if you're a defensive lineman and you're getting held, you'll, like, flail and fall down on purpose to catch that jersey come out. Yeah. Like, it's just every sport has some sort. Soccer's the worst. Yeah. Like, that's that's what I think the NBA was inching towards and why this rule was put in place. Yeah. It's because you have guys, like... Like, an inconsequential, like, rub of the shoulder across the chest, and then they... Th- fly back you're like yeah like completely even when players are anticipating contact and it doesn't actually even happen they're still acting as though it did like the the funny it's the double the double flop where they like oh like yeah turn mm-hmm. and then they both fall back and uh-huh. you're like, well, yeah that's unfortunate so like those <laughs> should definitely be called um for I, so i just like this rule because it's not a it's not a big deal it's not a big punishment it's just like one shot and it's not possession it's whoever whoever had possession at the time of the call so, i just don't like they call it a technical foul honestly like why would you call it that just call uh, it like because yeah. i know that but it's just weird because then you give it like another level that you have to remember of oh it's a it's an, a non-unsportsmanlike yeah okay i i i feel like it, it won't be too big of an issue because already i've not been like i I call it a technical foul when I was explaining it here, but every time I've referred to it and every time I feel like I've heard it talked about on the broadcast for the most part, they just say the flopping foul or the flopping. Because they do. Don't they do or, yeah, they do that type of thing with which their Which I think is very weird. Yeah. Because like that's like a, I don't know, just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think it's good for the game overall just because it will remove the the foul baiting and because st- like th- that part of the game i just don't like how and i'm with you on that for sure people you're ba- you're basically incentivized in basketball to be 
weak <laughs> and like very easily easily moved and you know things like that um and this just makes it so like you're you you play basketball in the pure purest way like the way that it's supposed to be played without all of those like uh, technical advantages you can have if by exploiting the rules basically well and the thing that i don't like about it now is it like removes like here's a great one two all-timers in the flopping world joel Embiid, marcus smart yeah marcus smart cannot stop joel Embiid without fouling in just terms of math logic joel Embiid physically can do whatever he wants to marcus smart and just kind of get to the basket probably you know what I mean? Yeah. So like the Marcus Mark flopping thing was like, there's I have so many thoughts. I need yeah. To finish this one yeah. No, th- this is the, good. The big guy is now screwed. Wait, why Sorry. is the big guy screwed? I have it the other way around. Yeah. The, like Kyle Lowry probably doesn't have a if career. Marcus, Marcus Smart <laughs> has to foul Joel Embiid to stop him. Probably. So Joel yeah. Embiid would sell. Oh, he pushed me too hard for it, and he'd fall forward. Never mm-hmm. thought I'd be in the Joel Embiid defender. But, but that, I mean, that's what he does already. Yeah, that, that's that's what he does because when a, just because someone's smaller than you and it doesn't impact you, it's still a foul. Agreed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that some refs do view it on a little bit of a sliding scale, though. And 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 that's like a ref thing where things are refs are all over the place. Yeah, like I think it's. I mean, with like I think the. Because some of the in the wording of some of these rules are like inconsequential contact, like things like that, like that can be like the decider of whether or not it's a foul. If it, if it's deemed inconsequential, the the um, there was an Al Horford play in that Knicks game. Just later on, he come up, somebody gets the block, and then he like swipes through, also trying to get the block, mm-hmm. but on his way down, his elbow just lands on probably Hardenstein's head. He was on the ground like nine times in the third quarter. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they said inconsequential, con- like it wasn't like a, oh, he's trying to smack him on the head. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I just feel, I don't know. I want it to be consistent and make sense. Yeah. Because if Joel Embiid doesn't alter the way he plays, or if LeBron doesn't alter the way he plays in accordance to the rule, they should be called four times a game for this. Yeah, for sure. That's maybe over, but like there's guys, Trey Young. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go through all these guys. Like, everybody knows who they are. Yeah. Guys that lead the league in charges a lot of the time. Some mm-hmm. of those are legit charges. They take it and they fall over and they're like, that hurt. That was not pleasant. Yeah. But a lot of them are also like, well, no, you had a you had Tyler Hero bump into you and you slid back five foot. That's not what happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Tyler Hero was just like a driving kind of sometimes guy. I don't know why I thought Tyler Hero. Anyway, um, I I just want it to be like consistent somehow. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, and I just, just feel like it's with the ambiguity of the wording now. It's just like, well, if you see it, you know it. You know what it is yeah, when you e- see it. Exactly. And, and that's I, just tough because how like you're telling me that the Lakers played I guess the Warriors didn't have Draymond. So it's like there's like guys that played on night one and there wasn't one called. There should now, have been a couple probably. But the thing is, I what, what I like about it is that I think, and this is the right way to do it, I, like to lean more the safe way and like only call them when they are completely obvious. 
And so it's not, you don't, because it it's not affecting too much because um, we were just playing that way for all these years. It's not affecting too much when you don't call them, but just the idea or the, the, the fact that they can be called and at times they are called, I think is a really good step in the right direction. I just think we need to get a, a baseline definition of egregious because like there is things, Porzingis, the first one ever called, I was like that, I don't think was necessarily egregious. But it was obvious that he... It, but it, it was prompted by a real foul. That's why I'm like... Because yeah. the ones that I think are the worst are the ones where there's like, there was barely a foul. That was like just a hard foul, and he sold the hard foul. And I, I don't... I think... I'd like to think that I can remove myself if it wasn't like a Celtic. Like, I don't think I would care. Yeah, I, that's how I feel about this too. Like, if... I, I wonder if one day uh, later on, like in the playoffs or something, I'm going to like curse this rule and hate it because it just does something bad it, to my team, if you know? It, if it impacts... Well, and it hasn't done anything uh, bad. Shout out Celtics. I'm guessing 3-0. We were curb stomping uh, yeah, the I, Warriors. Not Warriors. I wish. Wizards. Yeah, Wizards. Um, mm-hmm. uh, at one point, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had combined more <laughs> than the entire... Uh, Wizards team, I think that was at halftime. Yeah, I saw they had thirty six and thirty three at one point. That is the last ago. time I looked as well. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I like it just because oh, it, it got close at the end. Close <clears throat> nineteen point game, but yeah, I I just like the the flopping foul uh, because like with with what you said, like you want a baseline definition of egregious. I just think that um, it's pretty like for the very very obvious ones, like it doesn't really matter where the line is as long as it's you're you're just erring on like far away from the middle. You know what I mean? Wherever the line, like because like sometimes they will be called and sometimes they won't be. But let's just hope at least that at least 99.9% of the ones that are called are definitely flops are definitely them exaggerating. And as long as that is the case, then I think this is a good rule. Also feels bad. uh, Looking at the Celtics wizards game, you are the one guy on the wizard bench that didn't play one guy on the wizards. There was only one guy on the entire wizards team that suited up. That didn't play Taj Gibson. It was Mike Muscala. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But he was like fired up about it. He's like, oh, he was mad. Not mad. He was just emotional. Him and Gallinari both were like, "I'm ready to play the Celtics." Oh, Gallinari for the was Celtics more. matchup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about that. Mm-hmm. The Gallinari one was definitely the bigger one. But anyway, um, I feel like I just feel I would just want uh, just. It's hard to be a concrete abstract, but I want that. Mm-hmm. I want there to be a concrete idea of this abstract concept. Yeah. Just of like, and I agree. Like, if they just don't get one wrong, like where it wasn't a flop, and like, oh no, that's just a hard foul, and he went down hard. As mm-hmm. long as that doesn't get called, I think I'll be okay. Yeah, and the other thing that I could see is guys like Porzingis, especially, but maybe guys like Joel and AD as well, like those big guys who are really injury prone. One thing that's helped them throughout their career um, at this point, especially with Porzingis, is how they've learned to fall like yes. so like they they intentionally fall at times but like not for the purpose of necessarily trying to get a call but actually just to protect their bodies you know and i which i think our refs our league is smart enough to uh 
I don't know why I said R. I'm not affiliated with them at all, but um, they're smart enough to to understand that that is uh, a factor and have that in mind when calling it on guys like Porzingis and, and Embiid. Um, so as long as it's not like in a flailing way that is like accentuating the actual contact and more so just falling in order to... Uh, but if a guy goes ragdoll and doesn't tense up his body to like minimal minimize the like... Not ragdoll, but where they do the thing where they like land on their butt and kind of like push, no- noodle and push. They push with their arms, but noodle their legs. Yeah, it's just because they have to. <laughs> like that's yeah, just how they fall. Uh, not safe, but uh, Tua Tagovailoa does that in the NFL now. He was after his crazy year last year. He like went to a a person, I think an MMA person, and learned how to fall mm. and how to get hit. And he like you'll see him like get hit by a guy, and if the ball's not in his hands, he'll just go like potato but then he'll like make his head go he he learned how to fall and it seems like a weird thing but guys just have to do that when you're i think it's not even just size it's just when you're doing what professional athletes go through whether it's you're a seven foot tall guy with like razor thin margins on your tendons like you just have to take extra care if you're a five foot ten quarterback or i don't even know if uh he's that tall but just getting smashed by giant people. You just have to adapt. So mm-hmm. um, that is a good point also that hopefully the NF- the NBA, excuse me, is smart to figure that out. And speaking of, uh, have you posted the picture? I haven't looked. I haven't yet, no. I am a member of the Boston Celtics. Emotionally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not physically. I'm not getting paid. This is not sponsored. Uh, I just, they released some sick wallpapers. Uh, and I was pretty proud of it, so. Yeah. By the time this episode comes out, I'll probably be up, so. I need to, I was really trying to do it better, so if somebody's better at Photoshop, feel free to fix it. Yeah, hit us up. Um, But yeah, with that, are you ready to get into power rankings? I think the the proper meat of the episode is is properly in order. And we're starting at 30, right? Uh, Yeah, sure. For fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also did mine in tears. But I, I, so I'll say what the tiers are, but if I'll also abide by your rules and give a number for each one. So. Okay. Uh, what is your lowest tier? What, what do you, what did you call the bottom tier? My bottom tier has two teams on it and it's called might as well tank. I like that. Yeah. Um, I will also probably agree that looking at my 30 and 29, might as well tank is also a label I would put on both of them. Yeah, and what uh, what I would also say about this is most years, there would probably be a few more teams in this tier. I think this is a unique year where there's only two. feels like there, it's less than usual, uh, which is nice for a change. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, so my team 30 um, is kind of a... Honestly, kind of coin flip between these two, but I think I might lean because I'm I'm gonna be projecting forward a little because th- this rankings is not just based on like what they're doing right now. You know, it's more so like how they rank in terms of contention, like contendership. Yeah, in a way. So um, I think I'm gonna put the Blazers at team thirty. I've got uh, the. The Blazers at team 29 on my quick list, mm-hmm. but I 
I mean, they're right there. It's not like they're very far from 30. Yeah. Um, and maybe your team 29 is my team 30. I've got Houston. Oh, no. It's um, not. And it's a little bit different than might as well tank because they have a lot of the pieces. Um, mm-hmm. But I just... Houston just... I, I, they just struggle. And the vets they went and got are the worst possible vets they could have gotten for a young team, in my opinion. Van Vliet, better so than Brooks. Yeah. I just feel like they just didn't, like, if I'm Houston, I look to go get a, like, who can you go overpay? Anybody that's not people that take a ton of shots. <laughs> Anyone else. Yeah, I would agree that that probably would have helped. No, because you've got these, like, honestly, the people that were saying the, uh, I forgot their last names, the twins. The Thompson twins? The Thompson twins both are fun. They are spicy. Oh, yeah. Spicy, mm-hmm. spicy. Defensively, combined, they have like 12 blocks. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, which is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just fun. They are uh, very fun. But I just, th- I think it's more that I just don't like the way the Rockets chose to build their team this offseason. Yeah. And so, like, they have so much good promise. They're like low for you, right? I'm not crazy. Yeah, they are. Probably 28th, I think. I just, I, yeah, I have them in my 30, and then uh, my my uh, 29 is Portland. And I, just because, like, I feel better about, like, specific pieces on Portland than mm-hmm. I do about, like, it's yeah, a similar issue. Sense. They've just got guys. They have young guys. They just need to let cook. Mm-hmm. I just feel like Portland built their team to let guys cook better than... Uh, Houston did, and shout out to Robert Williams, the third Time Lord, hit a sick mid range. Sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Portland, I have, yeah, like I said, I have at 30th. Part of the reason why is because I'm projecting, a, projecting forward a little bit with, I feel like Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogdon will both probably be moved at some point this season. Um, and we'll talk about who I think should get them. And a little bit, not too long. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I just kind of feel like they're not going to have a ton going on for them there. The Rockets, they they seem to be more like not necessarily locked into those guys that they signed this offseason, but a little bit more like these are the guys we're rocking with, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's why I have Blazers at 30. My 29 is the Washington Wizards, Um. who is who I was debating with putting at 30th. But I have them at 29. Um, all I really need to say here is uh, their like leading shots taker is Jordan Poole. And he is ridiculously street like it's the Jordan Poole experience right now that we're seeing. We had that one preseason game where he had 27 points in the first half. Next game he came out, he scored like nine points on like one of 17 or something like that. Um, so that's just how it goes with Jordan Poole. Reminds, I love the one Jason Tatum playoff game, one for 13. Um, and like in the interview, it was humbly, I'm one of the best players on the planet. Yeah. You're like, yeah. You actually can do that because you actually did. Like, dude, like next game, I think he had, it might have been game six. I it think it was that, game six against Philly. Also, the, I think that game, he was like one for 11 or one for 12 up until the fourth quarter. And then he, he had a big fourth quarter. Yeah. In that game. See, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just got distracted when you said the one for whatever. Yeah. But no, Jordan Poole is a a case study. 
Because, mm-hmm. like, I, I have him in our fantasy league. Because I was like, yeah, he's going to be a terrible team, good stats guy. Don't know if I'm even getting that. Yeah. Uh, he's just... He might be in the negatives on some games. I would be Because of how many shots he takes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how yeah. bad he is on defense and just everything. Every, <laughs> all of it. Um, so... Not a big fan of that. I think the Kuzma... The Pacers put up 143 points on Washington. I did not realize that. When was that? The other day? Uh, game one, apparently. The Pacers yeah. put up 143 points mm-hmm. on 111 possessions. Yeah, I, I've noticed that on cleaning the glass and all the advanced metrics right now, Indiana is way ahead of everybody. throughout. And it might have been part of that game. Yeah, for sure. Th- uh, through three games now, Indiana is looking like the best team uh, so that's obviously going to be my number one on this list. <laughs> uh, that was a joke. But yeah, Wizards at 29, 28. I have the Rockets, the aforementioned Rockets. Um, I don't even really want to talk about these teams, honestly, too much. I'm, I'm good. We can just keep <laughs> yeah. yeah. So who's your 28? Um, I am going to go, uh, and mine's a little bit different because it's like a right now thing. Charlotte, I mm-hmm. am just very out on um i just this one was a toss-up for me but i'm gonna go charlotte at 28 um some of them looks fine but then other parts don't but this is also like a right now i did it more now instead of the obviously if lamel gets back and he's healthy and like things can go good mm-hmm. um but they lost to detroit mm-hmm. which isn't great i mean detroit's pretty feisty they're feisty but i feel like you could just be be better than that <laughs> yeah i don't know uh, i just that's I, fair. I, i'm also just down on the hornets i guess yeah um makes sense so you have them below the wizards wizards are next okay wizards, wizards are my 27, 27. Mm-hmm. makes sense my 27 is i think i'm going with the hornets here at 27 for a lot of the same reasons you just mentioned um so yeah, and then my 26 is the San Antonio Spurs. I also have the Spurs because not Wemby, just just you sent me a text mm-hmm. and then I really started looking and it got me begouched. Yeah. Which is a synonym for angry. Mm-hmm. I was like, come on, you should have beat the Mavs. Come on. They should have. They really should have. They controlled the whole game darn mm-hmm. near. Yep. And then they just said, what if we pretended like Wemby wasn't on the court. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not like they. It's not like they like stopped using him. Like, cause I'd be like, oh, they're gonna like use Wemby as a distraction, get other guys. Nope. Mm-mm. They just were like, that's that. That's essentially Matt Bonner to me. Down yeah, there the, the guy, the guy with the ball in his hands, like whoever it was, they just kept putting their heads down and were like, it's my time. And it was like Devin Vassell yeah. just got paid and. Got, Money on the brain. But it kept being like every possession down the stretch that the Mavs didn't score was like a lot of big reason uh, for that was uh, Wemby being an animal on the defensive end and then streaking down the floor like either like pretty he's got a pretty open spot in the paint if you want to throw him a lob or like he's just he was moving around constantly in those final possessions trying to get open and there's plenty of opportunities for them to get him the ball but they just (laughs) would not even look at him. And it was just crazy to me because of how, I don't know, the probably the seven to five to four-ish minute range of the fourth quarter 
um, and that in that stretch is when Wemby basically like put them in position to like close it out. And because like, they were like controlling, and then Wemby was like, he had a couple search, big search, threes, search, and just was like, his first bucket was a three. Yeah, and I'm like, there is a perfect why this guy is terrifying. <laughs> exactly. He had a ton of other stats in the game, rebounds, blocks, mm-hmm. maybe a couple assists, and then his first points were on a like contested if anybody off the could, dribble. Off the dribble, and it wasn't contested because you can't He's really contest four. him. Yeah. But like in theory, if it was a six foot four person, it's a contested three. Yeah. Just uh-huh. wet. And yeah. then he did it again. And you're it, like Yeah, he had three, I think. Three three pointers. If not three, then four, but it was at least three. Um and yeah, so it's just he had a few big plays. It it wasn't like a great game from him by any means, but he played way better than the numbers looked and like how how much his teammates let him be good in a way, you know, like he did not miss very many opportunities at all. Mm-hmm. Every, yeah. cause he didn't get a ton of opportunities. Everyone he got, I feel like he capitalized, not everyone, a majority of them. I feel like he capitalized. On. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. And there was a few where, he, you know, he got the ball and he, he made a pretty good play, like, uh, passing it off to a teammate. There was one where he, he had this, uh, he was posting up, uh, around the elbow and he had this kind of like drop down, bounce pass to can't remember who it was but somebody somebody was cutting down the baseline and that person who he passed to just was standing on the on the baseline when they caught the ball and uh so it was a turnover but uh there's there's just like a couple plays like that where it was like Wemby made a really good read like somebody that is seven four and has all of these skills it's like how can he be good at this too like it's just unfair that I he just can do this, this too Let's imagine this mental exercise where Wemby is two drafts earlier. And the okay. and the Warriors ended up with Wemby. Instead of James Wiseman. That it's two. over. It's well imagine they if get they, one. If they, they have if to they get they won one. the lottery. Yeah. If they would have won the like there is like that's what's so terrifying about like the NBA is lucky that Wiseman is He's young still, but I'm going to say an underperforming at, from his pick. For sure. I don't want to throw this. I don't want to slap a bust on him yet. Uh-huh. Maybe he cooks in a different system. And I know that that warrior system, I think, is also proven that it's not for everybody. It yeah. doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they could have just had a Wemby. Yeah. The NBA is over <laughs> for the next like three years. It's just over. Yeah. Like no matter how good you think your team is. You'd be like going for second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, that didn't happen. But Wemby has played very well through his first week. The rest mm -hmm. of his team has let him down because they don't just let him cook. Yeah. They don't let him get into that French bag and start cooking. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's any, at least I don't think so, anything to do with pop or like the system. It's just kind of like how what the the decisions that his teammates are making at times is just kind of like seems a little bit like oh we we're here too you know it's not all about that guy which it is actually yeah <laughs> kind of should be honestly um but yeah there so, wasn't anybody on the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2004 being like or 2003 it's me they actually were and that was an issue but yeah uh I don't remember any of them yeah Rick Ricky Davis uh like there was, there's a few. Get Carlos Boozer, I think, even said, like when uh, he was first coming in, LeBron. They were like, uh, "Don't please, like uh, it's ridiculous that people are expecting him to be the best player on this team 
I've seen videos of this now in like locker room interviews. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen this. There's now a lot of saying it. That was a bad example. <laughs> but it's fine. Uh we are to 20 through the first five. Same five, just in a different order. Rockets, Blazers, Hornets, Wizards, Spurs. Mm-hmm. Yep. What is your 25th team, Logan? So my 25th is the Horn or no, I already did the Hornets. The Detroit Pistons are my 25th. Um and the, I I could I could maybe put them a little bit higher. Oh, I forgot to mention what tier this is. So oh. uh this is my second to last tier, which is called too early. And so that's kind of why the Pistons ended up here, where like I could argue them a, a above like maybe a couple teams in the tier above them but like the tier above them is like a specific kind of like circumstance you know nightmare scenario known as the chicago bulls question mark yes teams akin to that um so pistons i could definitely maybe slide over some teams like that but i think ultimately they end up in this tier for me the too early tier um so i'll just keep Keep going in that order and put the Pistons at 25, but they are a feisty and on the up 25. Um, I'm loving Cade Cunningham, his season so far. Monty Williams has really leaned into utilizing him as like the focal point of the offense. A lot more heliocentric than we've seen Cade play in the past, which I think is good for his development in that area. But I also would like to continue to see them mix in other ball handlers and have him off ball and stuff like that. Obviously, uh, we'll see if that continues to develop. But I think even the bigger surprise so far, because everybody was expecting Kate, not everybody, I guess, but a lot of people were expecting Kate to, you know, kind of come onto the scene for the first time, at, like have his like actual potential realized more so than it has been so far with all the injuries that he struggled with. Um, but the bigger surprise so far has been Jalen Duran for a lot of people. Not I think even, him and the Thompson twin are both. Oh yeah, Asar Thompson. Baby, baby surprises for like some people are like, well, yeah, that makes sense, and other people are like, oh wow. Yeah, w- nice. with Asar Thompson, he hasn't been shooting well like at all, but he's just been a ball of energy and been you know. There's a lot of things to like about what Asar Thompson has brought to the team, but Jalen Duran, I think, is leading the league in rebounding so far, um, and he's just playing really well as a rim protector, as a lob threat uh, with Cade Cunningham. Uh, basically he's like he's Cade's um, Robin I guess if you want to say like in in the two-man game of the offense like the the two primary focal points of this team um, on the perimeter and on the interior it's it's Cade Cunningham and Jalen Duran you know I think Jalen Duran is that kind of uh, dynamic duo mate for Which we got that little sneak peek preview uh, for U.S. select team. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's also really crazy is just how young Jalen Duran is. He's younger than 12. Asar Thompson. Oh, no, he's, he's, not he's 19. Um, that is, this, this is his second season. That is scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's wild. Uh, I like the naming of the tier because that seems like Detroit is that. They are just that to a T. There's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, a so little worried in the future, but right now they're still beatable because they just got a lot of guys that haven't. Not all the dots have connected yet. Yeah, so the teams on my er, too early tier, uh, from worst to best: Rockets, then Hornets, then Spurs, and then a p- pretty good amount above everybody else on this tier is the Detroit Pistons. So we are on. That was your twenty-five. That's Jazz is where I have that. Okay, uh, I have them in a. Um, I guess I can just do 25 and 24. I have Jazz and then Pistons. 
The Jazz just, I feel like I wanted to see like another, and we're really early, we're a weekend. I just wanted to see like another like aggressive explosion out the gates. And I feel like I just it just has been almost the the opposite of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And they just things that I was like, I just, I just didn't love it. So that's why I've got the Jazz here. Uh, I think that the Jazz could be a team that when we do this, Another in another twenty games, twenty twenty or so games, another couple weeks. This could be very different. I just have the Jazz because they just started off so slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Clarkson did not look fantastic. Nope. Uh, and I think that him looking fantastic is a key to this team, like sniffing the playoffs, maybe even. Yeah, like, which he is needs pretty to be crazy. Very just, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why they're like not a dark horse type of team because. Mm-hmm. relying on jordan clarkson to just be your him is what they have other pieces i'm not disrespecting the finnish legend uh yeah. marketing but i just yeah but it's different than when they had mike conley in the backcourt at the start of last season i think that was yes. a big part of why they were still a really competent really good team not to say that they can't be a competent team this year i think they still are capable of that well, but they don't have as many of those like even keeled veteran types as they had in the past with Mike Conley, and even like the, a young, really consistent guy like Jared Vanderbilt. So, well, and I think that uh, they like almost got the opposite. Like they went and got John Collins, mm-hmm. who I don't know if I would use the word like cool headed. Yeah. Granted, we haven't we've only ever seen him in a situation where he's doesn't feel happy. Like we've never seen him in a situation he seems to enjoy. Ever since like his second year in Atlanta, yeah. So maybe that'll change. Walker Kent, like they've got a great, a lot of fun names to say and be like, "Oh, those guys are pretty good." But yeah, I just they just they can't quite click yet. So that's why I've got them at twenty five. Pistons, I have a twenty four. You pretty much hit every every possible nail on the head. Mm-hmm. I did not think that the Thompson twins would be my favorite rookies to watch. Wemby obviously excluded because he's a oh fun. really yeah. Coming into this, I think I, I even I might have said that at some point during our draft stuff that the Thompson twins are kind of just like my favorite guys. I just didn't think I would see it so early. Like I was like yeah. a game into each of them. I'm like, wait, are these like, du-? like I knew they were dudes. Obviously this was like a loaded draft class Yeah, in theory, but I'm like, no, they're cooking. Like they're cooking with some sauce. They're crazy athletes. They have like the best personalities. Like they're very down to earth, but also just like, like fun and competitive. Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, they're both like world class playmakers, like passers and just team players. Like, all, like they just like embody all of the things I like about basketball. You know what I mean? They don't have the shooting or like some of those like fundamental basic things as much, but like just the the team play, the grit, and the defense. Like all of that is just. But if you think about it, your whole life playing with another guy that's an NBA level player. Yeah. You know, like your twin is just always there mm-hmm. being like, oh, I need to force this. No, you don't. You've got another dude that's going to be playing in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, they played on a lot of teams where there's a lot of probably future NBA guys or current day NBA guys because they've just been on those fancy AAU teams and all that fa- fanciness. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it is, they're just fun to watch. I think <clears> their <throat> defense is what makes me more happy because mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys that are athletes that don't like, oh, I'm a good defender be- as an athlete. Exactly. But they're, <laughs> perfect yeah uh is a perfect example uh because i mean he used to kind of be like a little bit of defense when he was in uh, minnesota but the second he became a guy that was out the window yeah there was no more focusing on that Mm -hmm. um but yeah speaking of zach levine i don't have the bulls yet but they're coming up very rapidly 
Yeah, they are very shortly. But so my next tier, <clears throat> the third to the last tier is called Limbo. So these are the teams that I feel like are kind of in limbo right now. And so the bottom team that I have in there, I guess I'll go with maybe I'll go with the Jazz, I guess. I could go with a few teams here, but I'll go with the Jazz at 24. Um, we already have kind of discussed them. Uh, but yeah, and then 23, the team I'll pick for 23 is the Toronto Raptors. Is that a bit spicy? It's not spicy, but I just have them higher because there is one, two, three, four. There's five teams that I would put in whatever like tier you have right now. Yeah. And that just happens to stretch up to 19. So like my brain is like, uh, I, have, I have one, two, three, four, five teams in this tier. I also do. I wonder if they're the same five. They might be. Um, anyway, that's not that crazy. The Raptors are definitely in the same. I feel like the it's a competitive NBA because there's no one that's in that bottom necessarily. But like there's <clears throat> hard groups of yeah. like I look at these teams and I see the same thing just with different colors. Yeah. Like yeah. looking at the Bulls and then looking at – we've talked about the Bulls a couple times so it's not like a spoiler. And then looking at the Raptors or looking at the um, Jazz. You're just like – you can't sleep on them, but I'm not like, ah, you know? Yeah, they have, like, the talent. Like, the way I'll, I'll describe it is, like, they, they have talented players on their team. None of them, but, like, they, they don't have, like, the roster to really compete for anything. And yes. also, they don't have the young core to build around. So, like, they don't have any of those things. They're basically in the point of either it's time to hit the rebuild button or they've already hit it, but they're in the early stages of it where they don't have anything and like there's no like vantage points to like lock on to and be like, this is what we're we're building toward toward, or, you know. Or we just wait for a competitive team to need a piece like one that we have. Yeah. And it'll be like, oh, you would like Alex Caruso type of player? Or Cameron Johnson. Or Cam Johnson. Well, I didn't even mention that team yet, but spoiler alert, they are in this in this tier for me as well. They are also in this tier for me. Do mm-hmm. we just want to say the five teams in the tier? Yeah. So I have the Jazz, the Raptors, the Nets, the Bulls, and then the last team I have in here is... Grizzlies. Yeah. The only reason that they're in here, though, for me is because of the jaw suspension and the Steven Adams injury. If both of them were on this basketball team and playing, they would be definitely in the dark horse contender tier for me. Yes. Okay. So I have... That is... The Grizzlies are my 19th team. Yeah. They're the top of that tier for me, for sure. Um, And it's almost the exact same reasons because I'm like, they're just going through 25 games of Dark Ages right now. Mm-hmm. They're just pretty much saying, "Oh, you guys can all start with your fancy starter blocks. I'm gonna run this run this 100 meter dash in tennis shoes." Yeah, and just then, making themselves giving them the biggest disadvantage at the beginning. This I feel like this Grizzlies team could start out like ten and fifteen. Yeah, or worse. Yeah, probably worse, honestly. Uh, um, and then they end up like over or in the ballpark of 500 like they'll have to claw their way back because even even when jaw comes back i think a big underrated piece of this is the fact that steven adams is out for the entire season oh i didn't realize it was the whole year yeah he got season ending surgery like right before opening night or something like that oh um 
That's very unfortunate because I'm a big fan of Steven Adams, Adams. And the Grizzlies are as well because he is a huge part of their success since he's gotten there. And the games that he's missed, they have been terrible. And because uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is forced to be their Like they just don't. The reason why I think is not necessarily just because Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't like what ideal Steven for Adams playing is. five. Yeah, it's the main thing is the depth at the, at the big position, especially with Brandon Clark also probably going to be out this entire season as well because he just tore his ACL at the end of the season last year. So yeah. I'd be surprised if he comes if he does come back, it'll be around playoff time um, around that range, at least so. That it's it's tough because now they've they've signed Bismack Biombo um as as a rotation big coming off the bench. I heard this uh so this isn't original thought to me, but uh I heard a quote that was like if you're signing Bismack Biombo, like over the past like five or six years now, the team that has signed Bismack Biombo has that's been just like a sign that that team like there's something wrong that went like something wrong happened with that team season. And that resulted in them signing Bismack Biabo. He's um, like one of the uh, four horsemen of the uh, poverty franchise. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like Bismack Biombo, Taj Gibson, <laughs> except Ricky the, Rubio. Just, if, if the four horsemen came after the thing had already happened, yeah, they didn't <laughs> show that it was happening. Yeah. That would be an inch. That would be like a fun opposite of Mount Rushmore. If this guy shows up to your team, you're going to be bad in a, is it Chris Paul? Wait, why? Is Chris the Paul the guy that goes to your team, and then when he leaves, you have three years, and then you're bad? Because, like, think about it. Was at New Orleans. Yeah. They were okay. Leaves. A couple years later, bad. Until Anthony Davis got there. Right? Y- yeah. Tw- then he goes so 20, to... Tw- 2011, 2012 when, was when he left uh, New Orleans. And they they got AD right away, basically in that next draft, I guess. But they were still bad for a while, yeah. I mean, for a couple of years, okay. Goes to LA, they're good. Yeah. Then he leaves. They had a longer get to bad, but they got bad. Never yeah. got terrible. I mean, what what great player leaving a team doesn't like the team's no, usually but the bad fact that it's a, a slow fuse that it's like like a like slow like, fuse. It, it, they don't go bad the next year. It's oh, like a slow burn. Both of the teams that you just listed, if they did go bad at any point, was it was definitely the next year, right? The Hornets were bad right after he left. The uh, Clippers were good. This is off the cuff. I need to think about this more. There's got to be somebody that is like an omen of bad times to come. And like even... Rashawn think- Rondo. Just kidding. <laughs> even like the Clippers, though, if you want to... Like he, when he left yeah, the Clippers, they... I don't know if they were ever bad. Like, no, because they were the most fun eight seed in the history yeah, of eight seeds. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. There might have been like, a year between there where they were bad, but they were like they were like seven sixth men. There was mm-hmm. like seven of them that would all be sixth men on almost every other NBA team. Yeah, th- and somehow they formed just this ball of like, don't sleep on us. They had two <laughs> of the three finalists for sixth man of the year it was on the same team. That was like Lou Will going banana crazy. And Montrez Harrell. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was a wild uh, era of basketball there. Uh, Oklahoma City? And they were good after he left. Well, not good. Okay. They were bad, but in a good way, if that makes sense. 
They like, were uh, controlled bad. It yeah. was like on purpose. Like he, like if anything, Chris Paul planted the seeds for things to grow really well there. With so like, Chris Paul is not a horseman of the apocalypse. I don't He's think the so. Johnny Appleseed of the NBA, where he plants yeah. seeds, leaves, and they grow in a year or two. Mm-hmm. If I yeah. have it completely backwards, that would actually be a very what are those things called? Cryptids, NBA cryptids. I don't know what that is. No, that's not the thing I'm trying to do. They're like the the boogeyman is no uh, Sasquatch is a cryptid and the the Mothman. <laughs> it's like conspiracy theory animal things. Like folklore. Chupacabra is a cryptid, I think. Uh, there's a there's like a a goat man that lives in New Jersey. It's like a cryptid. I'm not crazy. I think they're called cryptids. I yeah, I, I've never heard of that, but I'm just confused why you're bringing up the word and what it pertains to oh i just think it would be a, a fun cool episode to do like nba maybe it'd be folk heroes nba folk heroes so you take a folk hero and then like an end like chris paul is johnny appleseed it's a bad idea throw it out the window delete it. <laughs> i'm getting done I'll, I'll 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 think about it more half-baked ideas it's 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 honestly maybe just uh right now it's a batter I don't even know if we could call it baked. <laughs> it's just a batter in my brain. Yeah. Um, but anyway, looking at this tier that is just in limbo in just the Great Depression, a lot of them don't have their picks. A lot of them just have guys they're paying a bunch of money. I feel like I'm describing I don't even need to put a label to this. Um, not the everyone G- doesn't have their picks, but just there's so many teams that are just like. It's just yeah. the Bulls that don't, right? Bulls don't. Grizzlies don't, do they? Who would they have got it given up for? I thought they didn't have their picks. They might not, but I, I just the Nets? am missing out on... Oh, they got them back, I yeah, guess. Yeah, miss, the they Nets a have a lot. Back. Um, the Bulls are the ones that don't. Raptors, I don't think they've traded any picks recently. Maybe um, I'm just crazy. The Grizzlies, the only picks that I can think of that would be gone is like for Marcus Smart. Right? That was like one pick, I think. Yeah, it wasn't a ton. I'm delusional. Um, the, but they're all just the same of like, we're just waiting. Don't, we're not bad enough to really be bad. Yeah. Uh, but we're just waiting. We'll yeah. tickle. The, one of us will tickle the playoffs, maybe two, mm-hmm. but we're just, we're just waiting. And, yeah. uh, again, that tier, those, these five teams we're talking about were the Nets, Grizzlies, Raptors, Bulls, and Jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have Jazz at 24, Raptors at 23. Um, I guess I'll put the Bulls at 22. No, I'll, I'll slide the Nets to 22 and Bulls to 21 and Grizzlies at 20. The Bulls, though, is a team I wanted to at least touch on a little bit with the... Um, DeMar talk? Yeah, DeMar. I mean, just all their stuff there is like... You know, DeMar's on an expiring deal, obviously. And they just don't have a lot going there. I think that coaching, I'm, I'm sure, I think Billy Donovan will probably be the first coach to get fired this year. Um, I'm guessing. And not necessarily that it's all his fault. It's just like, that's just what, that's the trend of things. When a team is like, what do we do? Like the first button they always press is fire the coach. Um and also, but he's not helping his case right now. I don't think with the way he's been Cooking. running the, the the way he's been running their offense with Kobe White as the primary ball handler, um, and not like Demar Derozan is by far their best playmaker on this team. Just player, 
play well i mean levine is a great player obviously but derozan is the best play as as far as playmaking yes derozan is like the key and he they don't have him in the position to playmake near as he much is, as he, he is should. their jordan clarkson just kidding I'm, i mean my brain broke he i mean he, I mean, from the he should be their Jordan Clarkson. They're not using him like that. That's what I mean. That's what I meant. Yeah. Uh huh. And so, like, he he should be being used like the way he was in San Antonio, honestly, because of just the lack of point guards on this roster, and even the the point the people that are point guards are not really point guards in the pure sense of the word. Um, they're like they do everything else a point guard's supposed to do well, except for the what point guards originally did. Yeah. Alex Caruso does that point guard thing outside of the offensive part of point guard. Yeah. He like does the, everything else really well. Uh-huh. And uh, he's but, fine like dribbling up the ball and passing it, but he's not like a, a guy who creates anything you with don't, the ball in you, his hands. You don't like run an offense. Through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so they, they definitely should set DeRozan up in some more spots to do that. Um, and the other thing I would say is, you know, Patrick Williams has not looked good so far. And if they want to build something like to actually keep competing with this Chicago core, that's who I, I, I like. The Bulls are a team who I think could go to the Blazers and give the Blazers what they need for shipping off the rest of like the like you know capable uh, contention level players that are on the Blazers the right Brogdon, now. Yeah. Brogdon and Jeremy Grant. Um, so Jeremy Grant's a lot of money. Yes, but the Bulls like. He he was a big uh, target for the Bulls last season, or whenever that was when he got traded to the Blazers a couple of years ago. Now, yeah, um, that was a big thing with the Bulls. They were talking about wh- whether or not they should go all in right now and trade Patrick Williams to get Jeremy Grant to upgrade at that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see that happening. Honestly, right now, I don't know if if you're Chicago, if you really want that because it's for the long term, I don't know what it really accomplishes. But, no, I was saying, sorry, from the Portland side, uh, to be in the money area, I think Jeremy Grant is, like, aggressively vital to making sure they're above the minimum. Oh. Yeah. I, they would have to get some salary back. So. Which I think the Bulls could do, but... Uh, and that's the thing that we don't need to super dive into now, but um, that's what my my first brain was. I said that poorly. It was more that, like, Portland has to stay above... Because Jeremy Grant's like a third of their salary. That's yeah. Um, Lonzo Ball a, makes oh, 20. Oh, watching. Yeah, and he makes over 20 million a year. So he could be a piece. Uh, Patrick Williams, because he was the fourth pick in the draft, makes a decent amount. He makes 10 million a year. Oh, that's, yeah. Kobe White is on that deal that you hated this offseason. So I think you could see an upgrade Wait. from Kobe White to Malcolm Brogdon and Patrick Williams to... Uh, Jeremy Grant throw in Lonzo Ball for some of that money. Uh, you might need to throw in a tad bit more money to make it work all the way, but I, if not, then that works. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to I'd have to try it out in the trade machine. But um, that's just as t- in terms of a basketball fit makes a lot of sense to me for the Bulls to kind of complete their team in a way to actually make, make a like playoff a, push. Yeah, exactly. And I think that would be able to do that. Adding Brogdon to this team to add some more like ball handling capabilities of like a, a veteran savviness, you know, and then and, give you any offense from your four, just yeah. absolutely. Or de- and defense, the, the big thing, but both for sure. 
having a big having Patrick Williams just be what he's supposed to be is like what, what everybody Grant, thought he would be. Yep. Yeah, is what Jeremy Grant would do for you. So, um, yeah, that will do it for that tier. I think. Yep. Uh, moving on to my next tier is called Feisty. Ooh. Um, and so I have the Magic as the bottom team in this tier. Um, which is tw- is nineteenth. So the Orlando Magic are my 19th team. And I don't know if you wanted to say you're 19. My 19 yeah. is also the Orlando Magic. Nice. All right. So we're on the same page there. I'm thinking, I don't know, I, I like this team a lot. That's why I put them in the feisty tier instead of if limbo. You, if or you too early. A, I also think that if you give up, they're way better than almost every other team. X name, maybe the Pistons if things explode for the Pistons. Yeah. To be in the, like, not quite. But if you, like, let them, maybe it's even half of this season. Maybe we go into the All-Star break, and then coming out of the All-Star break, the Magic are a team that could just go crazy. Because they seem like they're just on this, like, tipping point where they're, Mm. like, constantly simmering just close to Magic. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and they've they've got two fantastic, like... Build around type of guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe not one. I think Paolo is like the only guy that's like, I would like build around him alone. But with him, and we're talking about Wagner. Yeah, Franz. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I should pick which one. Um, Them combined, I think, is something that you can build around and like get away with a lot. Like those two dudes combined do a lot of good. And I think I would be actually, I'm on more the side of, you could definitely build around Franz as a number one. More than Paolo? Not necessarily more than Paolo. Oh, just they they both can't like I think that's a I think that's an argument though right now. I think Franz uh, argument in terms of projecting forward. I think I yep. think Paolo has the higher ceiling. Franz is better right now though. Yes. And um also I, b- I believe that Franz's ceiling is also really high. Like I think Franz could be a borderline top 10 player in the NBA at his peak. He could be. That's like the the ceiling. Paolo's like top five. That's like his ceiling. The seat, but this is ceiling. Like yeah, mm-hmm. most players don't get their ceiling. That's yeah. mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, but so Franz, what Franz reminds me of is just a supersized Gordon Hayward, like what Gordon Hayward was with the Jazz. Like he he was a really good number one on the Jazz. Like yeah. that was a really good team. Um, it's sad that it ended the way it did. The way, yeah, but preach. Um, preach <laughs> but uh franz is like just a a actual like supersized larger version mm-hmm. he's got a lot of the same skills he can shoot really well can uh, pass the ball dribble the ball i think he's defense. smart too i think that's a big mm-hmm. part of it is he's not like this guy that's got all those things that like why did you do that guy mm-hmm. he yeah. like is just not dumb which i think is good Mm-hmm, for sure, but that's the, I think a, been a big separator for them, like from him to Palo in games where they've been like statistically, it's like oh they had like just as good of a game as each other, but most of the time it's like Franz is just doing all the intangible things that you you want to see. It's not that Palo lacks a ton in that area, but he's definitely he plays more like At a young this player. Moment in time, he's behind there. Yeah, he plays more like a young player than Franz. Franz plays like a savvy veteran at, at a lot of moments. Same. Um, same uh, draft class or one apart? One apart. Franz was a, is a year older. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, but no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. 
Mm -hmm. For sure. So um, that's a fun team we have there. They've got a lot of point guards to choose from. They have to land on one for the future. Right now, I think think Fultz, honestly, is... It, it's good to see him having like an actual being solid a, career. Being a capable basketball player. Like mm-hmm. he's quietly done it, but being like, okay. Yeah. Like I think he's, he's like for sure their, their best point guard right now. Which and, is considering they have like this weird addiction of grabbing as many of them as they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, that's a statement. Like there's a lot of high blue chip type of guys in their point guard room. Mm-hmm. He's also one of them, obviously yeah. number one overall pick. Uh, just crazy things happened outside of basketball that made basketball harder. And but no, I think that the, the, your sentiment of like it's good to see him mm-hmm. be a productive member of an NBA team is facts. Yeah, for sure. Big facts. Jonathan Isaac is back too. I haven't caught too much tape of him yet, but um, yeah, that'll be something to delve into with within the next week or so. Um, yeah. So Magic are by nineteen, number eighteen. Right now, I have the Pacers. Um, the order doesn't mean too much to me. It's more of about the tiers, honestly. I'm way higher on um, the Pacers than you are. That kind I, of shocks me. Like the pace, I could I could put the Pacers as high as fifteen. My maybe? Pacers are thirteen. You have Pacers at thirteen. Oh yeah. Okay. I think it's just because they're playing so good. So yeah. juicy. Okay, and you're you're taking it more like power rankings in terms of like how teams are performing right now. Like I get like where right now make a list who's yeah. looked the best, mm-hmm. which have. I think is like the traditional way to do power rankings. I guess it's hard for me to separate myself from how I think how good I think these teams are. Like is it, yeah in a vacuum or like like in a playoff series. Yeah, that type of thing. You know, because I've got uh, yeah, I've got the Pacers at thirteen. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we'll I, get to that in five teams. <laughs> I got the Pacers at 18. Love me some Ty Halliburton, uh, Benedict Matherin, um, Bruce Brown, Brucey B, uh, Miles Turner. I'm just naming players. Buddy Heald. So uh, they've got some pieces there. They've got a fun, dynamic offense um, spearheaded by the minds of Rick Carlisle and Tyrese Halliburton melded together. Um, they're a really good fit, honestly. So, yeah, Pacers are 18. Number 17. And, well, I guess to give a little bit more insight on Pacers, I feel like they could make a playoff push push this year, this year season. They're in a similar range to the Magic to me, but maybe a little bit ahead just because they have more. Their pieces are older. Yeah, pieces are older for sure. Also, should have mentioned Wendell Carter Jr. on the Magic. He often goes overlooked, and he should not. So I'm going to just say his name here. Wendell Carter Jr. has been a very solid NBA center in Orlando. Um and yeah, so that should do it for the Pacers as well. Number 17. Would you like to go first on this one? Yeah. Um, my 18 is the Hawks. Oh, yeah. You have 18. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, just the Hawks. Exactly as advertised. Um, yeah. Uh, 17, <laughs> I have the Heat. Wow. I guess that, that makes sense. It was lame as garbage to sit Jimmy Butler in your date, uh, game three. Yeah. And he sat already? Mm-hmm. Are you a... Eric, come on. Like, well, I don't think he makes that decision. <laughs> but... but I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just thought that was lame. And that's like a huge part of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bam's looked good. I mean, he just decimated the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bam is... I mean, not that he ever looks terrible, but 
Bams look good. Um, the the only reason 17. why I don't have the Heat here is because they're not in this tier for me. Like, mm-hmm. because of like this, like what I've been saying is like it's not necessarily a clear break in uh talent or like the capability of the team necessarily it's it's more like stylized like what different pockets what, what kind of different situations what would you say like where in your brain like yeah where their ceiling kind of is in a way you know like the heat i would take much more seriously as a playoff opponent than any of these teams that we've said so far and you know i also agree but uh <laughs> right now they are in the middle of the pack. Yeah, makes me. sense for sure. Mentally, because they're just, they sat Jimmy Butler, lame. Mm-hmm. Um, and they Kyle like. Kyle Lowry's like almost 40 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was like a joke, but he's like. He's 38, I, I think. He's like closer than people <laughs> yeah, think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I've got uh, the heat here. Mm-hmm, makes sense. And at 17. That, at 17, and it just. It's honestly, it's really the fact that they're one and two, um, and they're like losses aren't the worst. I just didn't, I didn't love the not playing Jimmy Butler thing. That really, really bugged me. That's why mm-hmm. I brought it up like four times. Yeah, it makes um, sense. <clears throat> at sixteen, or what's your seventeen? My seventeen is at Atlanta. Okay, so um, we just flip flop, or not flip flop there, but yeah. So, um, and by I guess what I mean by feisty in this tier is I like I could see them making a playoff spot like being in the top eight when by by the time the playoffs are going um and just be kind of fun you know fun little story so that's who i have at 17 is the hawks uh number 16 i'll go with the thunder here at 16 oh you have the i have the new york knickerbockers okay i have them pretty shortly as well um yeah, uh, I, I'm really bad about not getting emotionally invested in my tier list. Uh, so there's some guys that I just like that are their teams definitely higher just because I like them. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that may or may not be the Thunder. Uh, we won't hear the Thunder's name for a hot minute on my list. Okay. Uh, um, but- I just felt like I couldn't put them in the tier above because the tier above this one is Dark Horse Contenders, and I I don't see the Thunder oh. as a contender. So okay, this is that's weird to me because like. I would argue that they're one move away, and I, that in my brain is a dark horse. Not from winning a title, but they're one win away from being a terrifying like playoff team in one my brain. Because um, like, if everyone takes a baby step up, let's say I don't say think Shane, there's a clear move though. What's the move? Do you do you think there's like a big? It, but that would make them a title. Like Shea right now. Being the best player on a championship team, you like. I'm not saying it's impossible. I think it's close. It's I. I it is close. I think he's on a list of ten guys, fifteen, ten, fifteen guys. Well, yeah, we did our top and it's ten not list. Even, and it's not even really mind. about that. It's about like, she is just he's not. It's not like he's on the tier of like no doubt. Like he, this guy's yes. on. But that list is short. Yeah, but so he, and then the team around him is just like they have major issues with how like it's fun i love the guys on the team and i love some of like what they have moving forward but like as far as like things you need to be a really good basketball team right well, here's now one move they, what they go get paul george that would be enticing like, uh, that, that that would definitely make them a contender 
Oh, that would put them in at least the Dark Horse contender tier, yeah. Yeah. I, see, it's just because I'm way too high on OKC. I knew it. I knew it when they came out of your mouth at 16. I'm like, I'm just too high on the but, but the thing is, I, you know, I've heard people put the Thunder higher than me. I, like, I've uh, preseason, Kevin O'Connor had him at 15. So, I mean, like, I'm in that same range. But, yep. um, no, I, I don't think you're wrong. Because yeah. all of these, for all extents of purposes, starting pretty much at 16-ish, these are all teams that we could see in the playoffs – 16 to like 10 to 8-ish are like teams that you could see in the playoffs, but not like wrecking the world. Yeah, and like the thing is, if we're going by regular season, I think the Thunder are probably going to end up higher than 16 in terms of yes. like what seed they'll be. But as far as who I feel comfortable with, like saying that they could make a push for the title or like that, ty- you know, that type of thing, I think their, their ceiling is just a little bit short of that. It's all me. fun and games uh, until... Uh... But uh, see, the, the move that you're talking about, making a move for Paul George, I guess the reason why I haven't factored that in and I did factor in moves for the Blazers is because for the Blazers, I feel like those moves will happen. For the those, Thunder, I lean probably not. It's more likely that the Blazers' moves happen than not. And the Thunder's like, oh, they might do something if things like... If they have a really good regular season stretch, you might see... Uh, not... Are you talking about GM? Sam Presti? Yeah. Sam Presti. My bro- I couldn't get Scott Foster out of my head. <laughs> Scott Foster. <laughs> oh, ref, yeah. I was like, <laughs> it's like what yeah. is going on? Um, Sam Presti. The guy Sam with the cool Presti. glasses. Cool glasses, all-time great GM. Mm-hmm. If they're making if they're like a really good team and are like messing around with the top of the West record-wise in we'll call it 30 games, if they're like I don't know. I don't want to put a number on it because I don't know. But if they're playing well and they genuinely do seem like, oh, we're one big move away, go get a cat or go get a uh, Paul George or go get – like we talked about it when we when I gushed over OKC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they go – I think that if they're in a good position, we could see him do that. And I I just love the Thunder so much. Mm-hmm. They, they, I just have never had anything bring me joy that I don't like – I'm not, like, actually that invested in. Mm-hmm. Like, the Celtics, like, I, like, they make or break my day sometimes. Yeah. My children, aggressively invested in my children. Mm-hmm. But the Thunder? That's just pure happiness. <laughs> when they're bad, I just slough it off and don't care. Yeah. They're just pure, be- unadulterated dopamine to the brain. And the reason why you slough it off is because I feel like I- I'm in that same spot and that's kind of what limits them for me is because like i know that they're it's early on them you know like they don't have a good well-built roster for competing right now in in the sense of like they don't have shooting and like the shooting that they do have is like is like davis bertans and uh isaiah joe like some guys that they're really good shooters they don't do a whole lot else and uh, so like they're only on the floor for spacing reasons. Everybody else is just a like average to below average. Um, well, you see this in my hand. This this ticket. I, it's a ticket to the bandwagon. I'm not saving you a seat. <laughs> I'm on it firmly. I mean, I, I love the Thunder, and I, I I would like them to be good. I just I'm am saying I'm being realistic about the fact that they don't have shooting on their roster, and they don't like in order to compete. Like, there's no way. 
like for me to consider them a good dark horse contender, I need to be able to see a world in which they beat the Nuggets in a playoff series. That would that's just not going to happen in a million okay, years. Okay, that's like there's three teams that can do that. No, there, I think there's more a lot more teams that I could say like if things just go all right for them, like like it's just like the Nuggets they have they have zero things to guard to even come close to defending Jokic. That's true. And, that's very true. And then they have like the thing that you need to beat Denver is capable shooters because that's what Denver it gives up in a lot of ways with the way we uh, our team defends the pick and roll to have guys rotating to tag the roll and stuff we leave the corners open. So what and I'm hearing right now is Derek White Finals MVP. The Celtics is a team that could definitely beat the Nuggets. Oh, I, yeah, that's a given for sure. But the Thunder <laughs> is just like. They, they're, they don't have enough yet. Um, Haters gonna hate, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know you're like you're building a completely logical argument, and my only defense is I don't want them to be that low. Yeah. That's like the only argument I have because everything you're saying is factual. They don't have great shooters, like or the ones they're they they the worst shooting team in the NBA. They, let's like, not, the let's shooters be clear they about have that. <laughs> are guys you do not want to be playing that many minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the guys who are like, yeah, just sit on the bench. We'll give you a couple minutes. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Which is not good. That's yeah. not a good place to be in. Uh, I just want them to be better. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really bad. Yeah. And th- I'm fully aware that my argument is dumb, but it's I'm sticking to it. <laughs> a dumb argument has never stopped me before. Um, I acknowledge that my opinion is probably just factually wrong, uh, but I don't hate it though. How high do you have the Thunder? Top ten, <laughs> not high top ten. Yeah, but they are in the top ten. Um, I just love them so much; they bring mm-hmm. me joy. I will not gush about them that long when we get to them on mine. Okay, um, because we did a pretty extensive look. But if the Thunder fan fanship was a double decker bus, I'm like. I'm right behind the people that like stuck with them past Russ. So there's people that were like loved Russ and stuck with them when they were good. A lot of people got off the bus. Mm-hmm. That's when I got on. <laughs> so I'm like on the. I don't know if the more prestigious to be on the second tier of the double decker bus or the like ground level tier. I'd like to think the top tier is better. Yeah, but like I'm right behind the guy that has like eight Russell Westbrook jerseys in the in the bandwagon. Makes the, sense. On the double decker bus. Anyway, love the Thunder. <laughs> My Thunder aren't yet because that was your 16. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had the Knicks at 16. Who is your 15 as we continue down our My fi- top, uh, power rankings? My 15 is a team that I could I could maybe switch around with the Thunder a little bit. I just see this team as a little bit higher in terms of the ceiling. And that is the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's my 15. Okay, we're back to, back to same wavelength here. Uh-huh. Um, I just think that I – my love – of Ant is a big part of it, and he's a dude. He like came out of the gate swinging, mm-hmm. uh, and all of the games that they've played thus far, he is like, if it was a question, which I don't think it ever was, uh, he is just the guy. Yes. And then the low key part of this T Wolves team that I love, defense solid. Mm-hmm. Like they all have just made it work. Yeah, I mean, they have great defensive personnel. I mean, the only weak link really is Cat, and he's. I've always hesitated to say he's a complete weak link because he's seven foot tall, and, yeah. you know, he can block shots. So 
And then the guy they bring off to like, oh, cat, go sit down. Now's Reed. Mm-hmm. For yeah, sure. I'll take I'll take that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, their offense as a whole has been not great. It's it's been pretty much Ant. Mm-hmm. It's been their offense. Yeah. Um, but I think Ant, if like somebody else gets a little comfy, whoever Cat gets flipped for, maybe, maybe gives Ant a little help on the offensive end. That this team could be pretty good. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but yeah, there's the Wolves at fifteen. At fourteen, I have the New York Knicks. And yeah. um, I guess I don't know if we really, we haven't really talked about the Knicks yet, but uh, Tom Thibodeau coach team. I, I kind of feel like they might border on the limbo tier for me as well. They're a weird, weird deal because there's some nights where you're like, oh, 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 mm-hmm. and then there's some nights where you're like, because I don't I don't think they really have a core right now that is like something that you can clearly say this is this is our championship formula or like this is our you know team th- these are the guys we're building around for a championship. They just went team. to 2017 through 2019 Villanova and were like, give us every guy you have. Yeah. And then it's Tom Thibodeau them. is maxing them out. It's just making them as like, how many minutes can you play mm-hmm. at five and we'll do it. Yeah. Uh it's and it's not going to work long term, I don't think. Uh, I think that their move is to move Julius Randle. I think that's the the move for them to do mm-hmm. to kind of get if they are in limbo. That's kind of can be the piece that pulls them out of limbo. Yeah, I think your mar- marching into the future should be a Jalen Brunson flanked by whoever. But mm-hmm. Jalen Brunson is the guy that I think should stick around and be a part of the team longer term. For um, sure. And Randall, as much as that crazy, weird explosion of a all-star game, I think. All-NBA. <laughs> it was all-NBA. He was third-team all-NBA. That's what it was. Because mm-hmm. um, he was the third-best power forward in basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and people were li- – there's a literal quotes that season. People saying, right now, Julius Randall is, is better than Chris Bosh ever was. <laughs> That is a thing people said. That is cool. And I remember being like, man, Julius Randle. But yeah. the other thing I remember is the playoffs started and, and then Julius Randle looked like Lakers Julius Randle. Yeah. Just right back to where everybody had them in terms of their brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. They're fun. They're feisty. Like, I like yep. that that tier your talk mm-hmm. but they i embody that the most probably honestly. Well, yeah i think it's also because their coach is like the embodiment of oh, oh. you're not a feisty player leave or get it figured out yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that is where that's a good place for the knicks i think uh, yeah i've got cleveland here at 14 yeah holy cow it's right now they've been not good they've been worse than the the thunder I just don't like him as much. All right, that okay, hurts. Okay, I need to. I need to flip him. I need to flip him. You, I mean, you can keep the, him at fourteen. No, 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 no. The more we've talked about it, the more you're right. I need to be consistent, and the Mavericks almost losing to the Spurs cannot be forgiven <laughs> this easily. Yeah. So I've already said I have the Pacers at thirteen because I'm big on the Pacers. Mm-hmm. They've been fun to watch. They played good current what's going on now so i'm just going to take a little bit of a a flip tool what? 12 and, and 14 12 and 14 mavericks will be 14 okay that i don't and hate cleveland that. will be 12 and i will i like i said i can't defend my okc thing other than i just want them to be where they're at mm-hmm. 
That's it. I just want him to be there. These are not good power rankings in terms of like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense logically. It doesn't. I just want it to be. And they're close. Yeah. No, I get you. That's another thing. I think the gap between, we'll call it the start at like 15 to 8 is like semi-close. Yeah. It's not like, it's not this giant, like I would argue the gap from 15, heck, I'll go, the gap between uh, 15 and 18 is about as equal as I think the gap from 15 to 8 is. Like the... Numbers obviously they're different amounts, but like the how I look at the teams. Anyway, different tiers. What a revolutionary concept that I just thought of. Mm-hmm. Making a tier list instead of a, a straight up number list. What a great idea! I should do that next time. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, Cleveland. Why would you think Cleveland should be higher? Well, I'll get to that when I. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, but um, so Mavericks my... is where I'm at. Sorry, yes, yeah, so that's who your 14 is. Uh, mine 14 was the Knicks. Um, oh, the thing that, yeah, the thing with the Cavs, though, that I'll mention right now is how I remember we had this conversation in one of our previous episodes, how you were very off the Cavs all of a sudden, uh, which was, I just don't like Donovan Mitchell as I was. Yeah, as I was editing that episode, it, I was thinking about it more because I was like, well, where did, I feel like this came out of nowhere. We're like and like you back in the summer number one team that you're talking about was Lakers is like the moves you like the most, but the only other team you brought up as like, you love their moves and you thought they made good moves to improve and things like that were the Cavs. And Cause like, they did. I just don't like Donovan Mitchell. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> but, but one of the things you said last episode was that you think the Cavs are worse this season than they were last year. <laughs> I don't like Donovan Mitchell. I can't. Okay. So if people have listened to the podcast for any any amount of time, honestly, two episodes. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get the thing that sometimes I'm in factual logic mode, mm-hmm. and then other times my heart's in the driver's seat. <laughs> and tonight, heart is in full control and has f- facts and logic in the trunk tied up. There's yeah. no, I can't. So what did Donovan Mitchell do to you? Nothing. And like, and people would be like, it's the COVID. Nothing to do with COVID. I don't care about that. Like, he had his whole thing in the weird beef with Rudy Gobert. I don't know why. Oh, I, I don't even know. I mean, oh, I know like, a little bit about that. But well, like, that's, I think that's the first cool thing now. that pops in my head about Donovan Mitchell. It's just that maybe someone just did me dirty with him on 2K. They just, just cooked me. And I, like, associated with him. It's like when a chick has a dream that you cheated and blames you in real life. <laughs> I just, it has to be something dumb like that. But yeah. I just he just bums me out. I wanted him to win rookie of the year really bad, but that's probably more my hatred of, of Ben Simmons and of, the Sixers. Well, of the Sixers. Not even yeah. Ben Simmons. I have nothing against the man that doesn't like basketball but gets paid millions of dollars to play it. But mm-hmm. it's more the uh allegedly doesn't like basketball, sorry. The it's I ah yeah, heart's driving tonight. Mm-hmm. Don't like Donovan Mitchell. That's fair. Uh, but they needed perimeter shooting, and they went out and got it. So good job building a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all of their guys are like entering their prime, if not like just sitting in it. Yeah, I, I would like, say they're on the like, precipice. Yeah, they're, they're either in or on the precipice of their prime. Yeah, or, or on the edge of glory, or like well like below maybe i would say like they're they're very good players right now darius garland and evan mobley but they're also like super young like so they they have a lot of years to go still 
Yes. So, uh, like Evan Mobley is conceivably still four or five years out of his like true quote unquote prime. He's twenty one years old. So probably yeah. three or four years out. Mm-hmm. So as, using twenty five as the number. Yeah. You know for sure. Tw- I would say yeah, but like twenty five to thirty range is like the, the prime years. Um, but yeah, so my twelve or my thirteen actually. Um, this is the start of the next tier for me, which is Dark Horse Contenders. So the Knicks were the best team on the feisty tier at 14. My number 13 is Miami Heat. Um, I have them as the, what? Oh, Miami. How are they not? They were literally just in the finals. I feel like they have to be <clears throat> at least considered in the Dark Horse Contender tier. Hart's driving. He sat Jimmy Butler. Weak. Who sat Jimmy Butler? I'm blaming Eric. It's not Eric's fault. <clears throat> it obviously is not because coach like Ty Lu, <clears throat> very public about how he had no idea who was available every game for the Clippers because they had so many people in and out of load management. He literally kept a note card that he had the trainers just like write like update. And so he would hold that note. He would have the note card with him every game in his pocket so he could look down at it when he's making substitutions to know who is available and who is not. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a cool story. Nebraska ball legend. Yeah. So he, he didn't, he obviously wasn't the guy picking who was, it was just like some guys are the Clippers might be a different monster because of who they had. Yeah. But I think it's a lot of the training staff still, to do with like who who is like with the norm powell and the paul george Kawhi leonard is a different different yeah. thing yeah but the, those other guys i think it is the the training staff who are like uh not necessarily making decisions but are well it is uh jay suggesting. sabble's fault he's the head trainer for the miami heat <laughs> yeah well, jay let jimmy play and maybe they'd be higher in my uh tier list was, my, it, was it just rest or did he have like a have soreness or tightness? Or, I don't know. I just saw he was a not playing. Yeah. Who knows? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just rest, I guess. But two, that game that's not, two. Yeah. I mean, that's not a great look, but I wouldn't be surprised either. Did he have to go to his barber to get his hair fixed again? <laughs> Which is I love that move actually. I can't I can't dog on my boy Jimmy like that. That's a great all time troll NBA. I'm waiting for the NBA to have a rule about. And I I don't you, know how you'll enforce it. Yeah. Because then it's like then they're gonna get into like a a wild. Problem. I don't think they should. I think this helps the NBA if anything. Like there's so many people who don't care about the NBA who know about Jimmy Butler doing that stuff. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. on TikTok and stuff. Yeah, because so, that is awesome. Yeah, and because I think the, it helps. The, and it's my favorite is the NBA broadcast like doesn't know what to do. So they didn't do his 2K stuff in the when they show the five faces. It's just emo Jimmy Butler just staring at you in the middle. Mhm. Yeah. They're definitely going with it so far. Um but the dark horse contenders tier. So uh Miami yeah, is who I had at 13. You have the Pacers at 13. We've already gone into that. Yep. Uh, at twelve, I have the Mavericks. Um, Fourteen. Yeah, and so I'm a tiny bit higher on the Mavericks now than I was entering the season. Um, they do seem to have gotten things. I don't want to say figured out, but it seems more like a team and less like 
Kyrie, Luca, and then a bunch of people that have to play basketball with him. Yeah, I feel like a billion. The the reason why I feel better about the Mavs right now is because I feel a billion times better about Derek Lively in particular, because he showed out his first game. Like he was ridiculous. I think he had like sixteen and eight or something like that. But the just the hustle, like he was getting every single like hustle play. It seemed like that was available. Like it was his and. It was just so surprising to me how how like um, low a lot of people were on him in the draft, <clears throat> saying that like apparently he didn't make a single shot outside of the paint until like three months, three or four months into his freshman season at Duke. Um, oh, which is insane, especially when he's touted as like a, a floor spacing big, like somebody who can shoot. Um, he is just walking glue. Is that like a, a way that you would put to like? The Mavs team didn't have a glue guy, and mm-hmm. he's just like the ultimate I'll do it all. He's like he's just like the perfect piece of like the what they've had with Dwight Powell uh, this whole time, like just a young, rejuvenated version of that. You know, very young and spry, athletic guy that can protect the rim, can just catch, have a big catch radius for for Luca to throw to. That's like really the the big like as long as he does those two things. It's it's going to be good, but the fact that he's already showing flashes of being able to play make out of the short roll, like so, like which adds a whole nother wrinkle that the Mavs have never had, where the guy that Luca is passing off to in the pick and roll, he can make decisions too to like like you know dump it <laughs> off to guys in, in the dunker spot and stuff like that. Like they have more layers to that that offense, that boring static offense that they always run. It becomes dynamic. Yeah, it be, gets an entire extra dimension. Yeah, exactly. Because um, it's not Luca assist or Luca score, mm-hmm. it can be Luca pass to assist, yeah. which doesn't seem like a big deal. But that just took your two man into a five man offense. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so uh, that'll be a fun development to see if he can do that. Also, if we ever see him actually like shoot, like he's he's shooting his free throws well. Um, and there which were legends deep. of him in high school being able to shoot threes. So we'll see if that ever comes out. And free throw shooters means you are a pure shooter. Mm-hmm. You're a good free throw shooter. You just got to dig and work at it to be a better three-point shooter. Because mm-hmm. free throw the, the is groundwork. the purest shooting test. Mm-hmm. For I don't know sure. I heard that, but I think it's a real thing. It is a pretty, pretty that's like the, in scouting, looking at the free throw percentage is oftentimes a better indicator than their three-point percentage on how good of a three-point shooter they are. Which is just at the NBA in, level, yeah. Which is just an interesting thing to think about, but um, yeah. So the next thing is number eleven. I guess, or who who is your twelve? Did you say Cleveland? Oh yeah, Cleveland. We already talked. I about moved that. them up because yeah, yeah. Uh, number eleven for me. I have the oh man. I have to decide on which team I put here. Um, I'll probably put the Kings here just because of the ceiling. I think is a little bit a tad bit lower than the teams right above them. Um, But yeah, so I I have the Kings here at number 11 in the Dark Horse Contenders tier. De'Aaron Fox is the man. He might win Clutch Player of the Year again this year. Who knows? It's only, we're only three games in, but watching those, those Kings games so far, the Lakers won the other night was a blast. Uh, That went to overtime. Um, De'Aaron Fox was on a bum. So I don't know if he, he might be out now for the next few games, but because uh, he did up his ankle pretty bad 
in that one, but he came back in the game and was playing for a little while to make sure they put that one to bed. Uh, but they have Keegan Murray, I think, is the biggest key fat, like the the swing factor for this team. That of, puts him higher or lower. Mm-hmm, for sure, because he, like so far this season, he's looked like he is taking a step up. Um, and if that sustains, like he has been taking that step up and that, that sticks, then the Kings are uh, definitely, like you've talked about, how they're probably not going to be as good as they were last year because they've, you you said like, they probably have hit their ceiling, and now all well, the people other... know what's coming. It's not like a not panic. No, I yes, I have said that, and I stand by it still. Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying it's wrong, but you know the thought of like them hitting their ceiling and the the rest of the West rising up to catch up with them. What changes that a little bit is if Keegan Murray does take this step that it seems like he might be taking, that coupled with the Kings being able to have counters to the counters, you know, and be able to continue to evolve their system. That'll be a big determining factor for sure. And so, yeah, the Kings is who I have at 11. Who do you have at 11? My 11 is the Pelicans of New Orleans. Yep. I was debating saying them there. Um, And I actually, the Pelicans have things that I'm like, Everything about it, I just feel like they've never overperformed. Like, they have, like, oh, they've had good stretches and they've played well, but, like, that's when they were, like, oh, people thought they were going to be terrible. And then, mm-hmm. like, oh, Brandon Ingram looks like a legit, like, second guy or first guy or in for, some yeah. situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but ever since then, I feel like they've never been overlooked. Like, they've always been, like, right around where they're expected to or right below. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel like the Kings, because I've got the Kings next. The Kings are my 10. Mm-hmm. I've got Pelicans and the Kings. And for like, not the exact flip version, but I just feel better about the Kings cooking a little bit more. I agree. Pelicans. I agree with like the floor part. Like Kings, I feel better about being in the playoffs than and, the Pelicans. It, well, it's not even in the play. It's just like, I've seen the Kings do it with my eyes. Yeah, the Pelicans I've seen do it, but not like in the sustained. playoffs or sustained. Or they also like. I guess we'll know. I feel like if Zion's out, the Pelicans just go. Yeah, the Pelicans they have to be healthy. Um, and I feel like the Kings can like maneuver around guys hurt better. They still oh, would yeah. also go down dramatically if, Fox if Sabonis was, is or Fox is out for a yeah. while. Mm. But I just feel like the Pelicans, maybe it's just because the guys are more injury prone. Yeah, maybe that's that, part of the why. Ex- that is exactly why I think. Fox is just less likely to be out for a long period of time than Zion is. Because, yeah, because what was the number Zion hasn't played? Uh, His play, most games played in 150. 114 through four years, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think. That's just crazy. But hopefully I want to see Zion healthy. I feel like I always hate on Zion. I would love to see that dude healthy because he would be so fun to watch. He's an animal, yeah. He, no, not would be. He is so fun to watch. But, like, you get 65 games of whatever Zion does. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. It's over. It's, it's, yeah, it would pel- be so fun. That would but I'm be just fun. worried that it's like a Derrick Rose thing. Because, like, hindsight being 2020, when your go-to move is I'm faster than you and I'm going to jump stop onto both knees, kind of makes sense why his mm. knees, like. Yeah, yeah. He, like he adapted his game and he became a like a 
not the MVP level player, but became a good player in a different way, adapted, was a professional athlete. But Yeah, like, but D-Rose D- was like only athleticism. Zion has like his size to lean on as well. Um, which could also be a downfall in terms of the staying healthy. Yeah, for sure. Um, but which it, is, he's, I guess, a given. But. I don't think he's ever going to get to the point where he's not physically imposing, you know? But, but, yeah. Like he's always going to have so, he's always going to have some girth to him, if you will. Um, and also just the skill of like how how well he finishes in the lane through contact, his capability of handling the ball at his size, the way he does. He's like he's just a reincarnation of Charles Barkley, really, um, which is a an insane thing to say. Which if if Charles Barkley gets that ring, wins that one championship, which he how, very well could have. No, he could have, and it would have been on his shoulders solely. Because mm-hmm. that's what, against like, the best much, team in NBA history, probably ninety three goals. Uh, how much higher is he regarded in people's? You know what I mean? Oh, Charles yeah. Barkley is a guy that people like look at like, oh, doesn't have a ring, but yeah, but he's still considered top twenty five all time. Uh, and I I just like if he does get that ring, how much higher is he? He might be like twelve. Which He'd be is, in that yeah. range. No, he's He'd be around he's the, not he, just he, a he, funny, goofy, dumb guy on TNT. Where he at? Yeah, <laughs> where, where where he play or something? Or, like where that. He, where yeah, where he play? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a great segment. If yeah, you didn't have not seen it yet, everybody. Uh-huh. Um, no, for sure. Uh, so Pelicans, I think, yeah, they have a higher ceiling than the Kings just because of Zion Ingram, McCollum, yes. for that matter. Uh, Valanciunas, and then all of their their wing depth, the young guys that they have on their roster with Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones, Troy, da- uh, not Troy Daniels, Troy Murphy, um, or Trey Murphy, yeah, Trey Murphy, not Troy, but yeah, uh, those guys, all really nice young switchable defense first wings for the most part. Other than Trey Murphy, is more of a shooter first, I guess, but. And then the Sixers is who I have at 10. Is this 10? No, now it's nine. And actually, I'm going to go with the Cavs here at nine. I'm going to put the I'm put Sixers at eight, Cavs at nine, just because I feel like same reason I just said with the Pals over the Kings, I think the Sixers ceiling is higher than the Cavs ceiling for this season. Mm-hmm. So my we went from 10 to seven or 10 to eight. Right? Not nine and eight, yeah. Nine and eight. So my nine is the Oklahoma City Thunder. I will not gush about them more. Mm-hmm. This is they've played well. One thing that I will touch on: Chet is as advertised through multiple games. Oh yeah, he statistically looked good in the same way that Wemby has not like has had his stats obviously, but then has looked like better than his stats are saying. Yeah. I think Chet is in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. So Chet is as advertised. I am still riding with my Chet sleep, not sleeper, obviously, but Chet winning rookie of the year is not something that should just be forgotten. Yeah. He, Wemby's look kind of crazy. So it was, I was in a little bit of doubt until I watched Chet. And I'm like, nah, my boy's going to be in the fight until the very end. I think Wemby still wins it probably, but uh, it will, it will actually be a race as opposed to what people thought it was going to be. I think. Yeah. Um, so that's a big, like, just, I like OKC. That's why they're nine. Delusion, whatever. Uh, at eight, I have the Los Angeles Clippers. Makes sense. Um, and I think that the reason they're not, because they've played higher. Yeah. I think I'm just scared. Yeah. Of what always happens. To the Similar Clippers. with the Pelicans. Yes. Um, 
I think that's why I have them lower because I'm just scared. Uh huh. That's perfectly fair, perfectly reasonable. That is the same reason I have them not much higher. I have them at seven. So, um, and Sixers are my seven. So okay. like we're all in the. My yeah. only wild one out so far has been OKC. And I think I might I might change up what I just said again, and I might slide this Clippers up to sixth. I'm just because I'm feeling that. It's fine. I'm feeling the Clippers at six. I mean, they could even be five. Honestly, they they're anywhere from the five to seven range for me. Um, as how, that's how tiers work. But um, yeah, Sixers. So my dark horse contenders here, from worst to best, I have the Heat. Mavs, Kings, Pels, Cavs, Sixers. Uh, Sixers without Harden, obviously, and that's kind of why I put them a little bit higher, just because they're, they are still a very competent team without Harden. And whatever they cash in Harden for, when that does inevitably or hopefully inevitably happen, um, whatever they add is going to add on to you know, this, this current team, at which they were not getting any contribution from to begin with. So... Maxie's looking like he's stepping up into that secondary role. Um, it'll be fun to see that. Joel Embiid, obviously one of the most dominant players in the NBA, continuing his run there with the Sixers. And they've got a decent team around him. So I uh, have them at seven here. Um, and then on to number six, I have the Golden State Warriors now that I've done the switcheroo with the Los Angeles Clippers. Reason I have the Warriors at six is just because like their peak, like the peak version of them, is a lot less scary than the Clippers to me. Yep. Um, like the peak of both teams. I mean, I know what you mean. Yeah, I think that's a completely fair and logical thing. I just think we're more likely to see peak Warriors than peak Clippers. Very, very true. Because peak um, Warriors is like is Steph healthy, is Draymond, Draymond. around. And Wiggins, <laughs> I think Wiggins is Wiggins important. is a bigger part of that than probably most people, including me, give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just is Steph a hundred percent. If yes, Warriors are a playoff team. Yeah, probably. Because uh, so. he is just one of those guys. Um, my six, or do is there more you want to talk about the Warriors? Um, I not a ton, I guess, but like the it's just outside of Steph, they just don't have. A ton like they they need one of those young guys to really pop in order for them to like for me to feel like they're really amongst like the top top teams and yeah, I like sixth is really high don't get me they're wrong they're definitely below the guys that I would feel confident in going further yeah mm-hmm. so outside of one team that I have right below them but below as in higher like low, sorry higher lower number, number yeah, higher lower. in and close to the the top no uh no, they are war. I think that the the Bucks. Hear me out. Wait, what? Who at number are we the, talking here? I have the Bucks at six, Warriors at five. You have the Bucks at six. They have not. Okay, I. It's hard. It's hard driving. Uh, I made this list before, like right as we were sitting down to start. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's it's hard been driving this whole list. Yeah. Dame looked atrocious, and I think Dame. Dame looked atrocious when. Last game they played. but he, he didn't get to the free throw line at all. He Did you see game one? I understand that. I'm just worried. Okay. For Milwaukee fans, when Drew Holiday starts cooking with the most viscous sauce you've ever seen, that we, they're just going to be on suicide watch. They're not ready 
for the Boston Celtics. The Bucks are bad. They're bad at basketball. If they didn't have Giannis, they're terrible. Chris Middleton's not ready. He's not healthy. Brooke Lopez is showing age. And I think that Dame is going to be affected by the flopping rule a lot. I said it. Why? More than... Like, not more than, like, a lot of guys, I I don't feel like. It's it's just... Offensively, I just don't... He has to get to the line, like, a million times, and I don't know if he will. Because he he just didn't look great. He had seven points. Yeah. That's terrible. He had 39 in game one. Like... It was like easy. I I just I don't know. It seems like the way, uh, like if he stays healthy, um, because in the past when we've seen him have seasons where he's not getting to the rim very well or getting to the line, um, both it's kind of synonymous. But um, he that's when he's had like the abdomen injury. Um, he's not near as like explosive. with, With that, but. Right now, so I don't know if he's had he struggled with that in the last game or, or something, but um, there wasn't a lot. It was two games ago because they beat the Heat and he had like a twenty-five point game. Yeah, uh, but in game one, that looked like that just showed you exactly what could be with this team. I think that's the t- that's their peak, which is good. It's very good to have like the normal Bucks basically as like their starting unit, and then their second unit is the Blazers. Like what the Blazers have been the last few seasons, which isn't a great team, but against bench units, yeah, that's that's your like, that's what it feels like because of how they stagger the minutes with Damon and Giannis. One of them is always on the floor. Um, I just, and maybe I just need to like get the old Bucks out of my brain. It's just the fashion they lost to the Hawks. Yeah. I mean, it's an 82-game season. That's, and, yeah, I just. Also, I the, the atrocity, like, complete uh, dumpster fire of, of a start to the season in terms of personnel, like, the, the chemistry within the, the coaching staff. Um, Does not room. help, probably. Yeah. Um, so maybe I, should, maybe I should view the Milwaukee Bucks are 2-1 and one in spite of everything that's going on. That could be a way to spin it, yeah. More than, like, how the F do you lose to the Atlanta Hawks in a not-close game? They lost by 17 and... We're never close. The Hawks were in control the whole game. The Hawks aren't, like, a bad team. They're they're not bad, but you're supposed to be this juggernaut Bucks. Yeah. I think I'm just a hater. I am for sure. I, 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 I'm leaning more on like I need some a pretty decent sample size to tell me that they're bad before the, I'm going to go I don't, I don't think they're bad. You, I just, think you they're said a, they're bad at basketball. You said that okay. a little bit ago. <laughs> I have them at six. They're not bad at basketball. Yeah. But I definitively, confidently, am Celtics are winning the East. I am confident. I was like, I don't know. Let's see. I am confident that the Boston Celtics are winning the East. Mm-hmm. After three games, probably a little bit wild. I'm still going to stick with it. I mean, I don't think that's crazy to be confident in the Celtics at no, all. To, like, it, it, it bumped me to the next level of confidence. And it's just because of how the Hawks just did. Like The whole point of what made me scared about the Bucks is how 
unstoppable and unbeatable, like just Dame and Giannis going, we're just going to run pick and roll all mm-hmm. game. Stop it. And then the Hawks did? Well, they haven't really been. Uh, or why? Why? If me, fat, stupid, dumb guy that's like basketball is his second sport, can look at your personnel and be like, that's what I would do. That seems like the smart strategic play. Why when you get into a rut? Obviously, you can't go into it all the time. Teams will beat that. But why when you're struggling? Uh, what was the score? Half. 68 to 47. Mm-hmm. Why can't you just be like, let's just, let's really get into this two-man game with I mean, two top 10 Verge top 10 players in the NBA. Yeah, I I mean, that would be the obvious choice. I don't know if Adrian Griffin is a great coach yet. I don't know. Uh, but Mike Budenholzer, uh, that was a very common, frequent. And also, it has to be pointed out, Giannis has a part to be blamed in this as well. Giannis, very vocal about not wanting to be a screener and roller. Like, he doesn't want to do that. Then that makes a, them a worse team. So it they're does. bad at basketball. I'm just kidding. But I think when put into position, if Giannis comes to the realization that he needs to do that, which he's had to do in the past, he has come to the realiza- realization for stretches in the in postseasons and stuff, where he's like, okay, this is what I got to do right now. I got to I got to set screens, roll to the rim hard, catch lobs, you know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's made jokes, been sarcastic about it in post game interviews, saying like, oh, I'm just a, I'm the highest paid role man in the league. Yep. Like things like that. He um, very clearly doesn't like that. Yeah, which I confuses me because it's not like we it's unheard of to have we've had star like superstars before be rim runners. It's like the same thing as Anthony Davis Anthony is Davis. like I'm exactly. the biggest guy but I refuse to be a five. But at least he he's fine with being a rim runner like that he plays to his strength there. Yes. Um, um and it's just like the thing Amari Stoudemire. Can, it's like the peak, the pinnacle, like the probably the best rim runner of all time, and he didn't he didn't have a whole lot, a whole, like a ton. I, I'm not disrespecting Sarmar. He had a, he had a game outside of that, but that was like the main reason of why he was good. He got a max contract to play for an NBA team because he can time jumps and dunk extraordinarily well. Yeah, and and 100 deserved that money as well. No, yeah, it wasn't like a well, that's it wasn't a Timothy Mozgov situation. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it didn't pan out afterwards after his knee that really hampered his ability, to, which makes sense. But uh, once he got to New York, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe it was part New York the curse, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, I've got uh, Bucks at six, Warriors at five. Makes sense. I have Warriors at six, Clippers at five, um, which I've already kind of gone into that. But like, I'm I'm borderline want to put, and I think I will. No, I'll, I'll leave him at five. I'll leave him at five. Lakers is who I have at four. Same. I could Currently very, down to the Orlando Magic by four at halftime. Um, I could definitely <laughs> like flip them around, though, the Clippers and Lakers, just because Kawhi and Paul George together, healthy, is something that I would be scared of if I was the Lakers. Um, you for sure should be. I think it, every team should be, even yeah. if you're not just the Lakers. Yeah. Um, and might feel better about... Because like the thing with LeBron, like what is his his real ceiling right now? If 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 it's true that he's going to be on a minutes restriction all season long, playing between twenty eight and thirty minutes every night, um, it, I just feel like there's that that kind of artificially puts a, a a little bit of a ceiling on your team. 
if you only have so many minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure it's like a. I th- I would imagine that if like for some wild reason the Lakers are like, do we make the playoffs without the play-in? Like, are we a top six team in the West? I feel like that would be removed. I feel like, be like we're just gonna let LeBron play and secure the not having a play-in game. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's as you said, it's artificial. It's not like yeah. it's preemptive. It's like. Let's get the most out of LeBron when it really, really matters, also known as the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. I feel so, like so like if the playoffs, quote-unquote, start early for the Lakers, LeBron will just play whatever minutes need to be played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this might be the first season we, we see him not average 25 points a game. Might happen this year. Just because of – I mean, it's hard to do that with In less 25 than minutes. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so – but he uh, he got 21 points, I think, in his first two games. I don't know what he had after that. But um, he's been looking solid, definitely. No, he has sure. not looked bad. It's literally just been the minutes thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then on to the next team. I well, or who, who do you have at four, I guess? You have Warriors at five. My four is Lakers. Oh, yeah, you already said that. And then my three, or my f- – wait, I'm confused. My five should be Lakers. How is the six or seven? No, yeah, the Cavs were nine. Sixers were eight. I've been off ever since then. Sixers are eight. Warriors are seven. Clippers are six. Lakers are five. For me. Am I missing a team? You had the Bucks already. So that might be... That's it. Yeah. Um... So who's so, your four? <clears throat> yeah, so my four. Well, uh, and I should also mention we've left the dark horse contenders tier. I mentioned when we did the Sixers were the last team there. This next tier that have the has the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Lakers on it. That tier is called high ceiling slash low floor, um, which is just basically exactly what it means. They're a team that I could definitely see being a contender, but they're, ob- they're they definitely have some things that could prevent them from being there pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um. With all of them, you it's just injuries. If the wrong guy goes down, yeah, uh, problem problems for sure. But yeah, so then my number four team is the first team in the top tier, which is I just labeled the favorites. I don't love that name for it, but I, maybe just contenders or uh, legit contenders, something like that. But uh, the first team I have there is the Phoenix Suns at four. Um, and what I like about the Suns, I honestly have changed my tone a little bit at least with the Yusuf Nurkic stuff because you know I just thought it was going to be a clear downgrade in just about every way the only thing that I did think about at the start of like I mean he's a better playmaker obviously that's one thing he has over Aiton uh probably maybe a little bit higher of just basketball IQ feel for the game but I was like there's no way that that will outweigh what he t- takes away from on the defensive end and, and that kind of stuff, which could still be the case. I'm not saying it's, he's going to be a, a positive ad overall, but it, it seems like so far that he just might be because of how they've, uh, and maybe this is a testament to Frank Vogel as an offensive coach. I didn't know he had this in him, but the offense that they've implemented is like so surprising to me. And it also it just, it makes me smile a little bit because of how much, you know, you and some other people had the the big narrative of like, oh, this Phoenix Suns team is just going to be like ball hog city. Like, 
you know, these three guys that all just are going to play ISO ball, you know, pass around the rock and just do that is very much not that when we've seen them actually play a game so far um, in the preseason. And I don't know if they have they even had a game so far in the regular season where all three of them have been on the floor. Um, The big three. I don't think so. They I don't think they have, but um, theoretically what what we have seen with those three on the floor in the preseason and two of them, on the floor in the regular season has been very promising with having it's Yusuf, like a, sorry Yusuf Nurkic has been you know just feeding him the ball in the post attacking mismatches and also just playmaking from the elbows um using him as like a Sabonis or a Jokic if you will but uh like he just he's the pieces he's passing it out to are just three of the like two of the absolute best scorers in the league and a third one who just a few years ago was the Leeds leading leading scorer um so it's a pretty nice system they have there. And also all three of those guys, very unselfish, very like capable of playmaking. We've seen Bradley Beal, um, at least in the preseason a little bit, like show off his playmaking chops that he, he had developed ever since John Wall left. Um, and now that this team is, you know, obviously does not have a point guard in sight. They have Brandon Goodwin and, and Saban Lee, I believe are the only two point guards on this roster. Um, so Bradley Beal has been like their de facto point guard. Uh, so it's been interesting to see that. But uh, yeah, I like the Suns from the offense standpoint. Defense is where they'll need the most to go their way for sure. Uh, and KD is going to be a huge factor there. KD and and uh, Devin Booker, honestly. Um, both are pro- obviously outside of a Kogi, which who is like an essential player for them now because of that lack of defense in their starting lineup. A Kogi yeah, is like, he's huge. Yeah, definitely needed. But Durant and Booker are the next best defensive players after him there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, uh, I think it's like kind of a, to put like a, a phrasing on there. It's just a pick your poison offense. Mm-hmm. Oh, who do you want to take the uh, open shot? You yeah. pick which all-star would you like to take the shot? Yeah, and if not an all-star, there's also Eric Gordon yeah, there as it's, well. It's just so. pick your poison. Who do you want it to be? Yeah. Uh, fun fact, you lose almost every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just don't don't have a whole lot of success. So I think that, that is a... Yeah, it's just... It, it is works. Shout out to Frank Vogel if it's him, or just shout out to whoever's cooking there because it is a pretty efficient uh, dish mm-hmm. offensively they're cooking. For sure. Uh, for the Suns. I've got them at three. I don't know if I said that, but I have them at three because... Bucks are outside the top five. five. <laughs> um, so yeah, Suns are at four for me. At three, I had the Celtics at one point. Now I have the Bucks. Um, what? You had the Bucks above the Celtics? After, after game one, I, I did. Oh, game yeah. one. Uh, also, that's the other thing. I just am baffled that the Sixers had like an okay, they had a great game from Maxi. Mm-hmm. Like Embiid had a very pedestrian Embiid game. It's still a good game, obviously. It's Joel Embiid. But yeah. it wasn't like this insane game. And the Bucks were fighting for their lives. Yeah. I, I, I'll need to watch. I mean, I've, the only game I've watched from the Bucks so far was game one. So I'll need to watch game two mm-hmm. and then maybe my sixth is probably a little crazy hard driving, but 
putting the Bucks above the Celtics if you watch game two is egregious. I just feel like they have the higher that's kind of what I've been leading to in all these is like who has the higher ceiling um, and I think there's a case to be made for the Bucks at least there I, I would definitely agree with you the Celtics are like way in a, way far and above like the higher floor with all of the guys that they have there it's just like you don't think our ceiling's higher I'm not saying I don't think the ceiling's higher. I'm just saying that there, it's not like clearly uh, like an unquestionable like contest. Like it's not like there's no contest. The Celtics will not lose a single game to the Milwaukee Bucks all year. I'm not. I'm not even talking about the matchup. I'm just saying that. No, I don't because matchup Celtics are built to beat the Bucks. Yeah, and and I also don't think it's impossible for the Bucks to beat the Celtics. But no, they won't once. I no, I won't. They be play surprised. what four times? Three times? Four. Play four times regular season. 4-0. Yeah. Playoffs, 4-0. The Boston Celtics will be 8-0 against the Milwaukee Bucks when they're hosting up the Larry O'Brien Trophy. All right. We'll keep I, receipts on that. Yeah, for sure. Play this clip. Yeah. They'll lose the first game. <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll finally do the... They'll actually get the 3-0 comeback. Bucks will go up 3-0. Celtics will complete that 3-0 comeback. They, like, they almost did against the Heat. Almost made history. That, um, honestly, I think that was my biggest crystal ball moment in the history of my life. I don't think I'll ever get close to that again. Oh, yeah. Other than I said Jimmy Butler would have 69 points. And you said that it would go 3-1 instead of 3-0. Like it would, you said that they would win game three. I Celtics thought we would. would get one game. Like, yeah, we got, we're dogs. We'll get one. Like before before they got to three. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Marcus Mark, don't let us get one, got into my head. Man. Anyway, um, yeah, whatever. It's fine. So your three is the Bucks or the Celtics? The Bucks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I, I was just mentioning that I there was At a point. At one point in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You thought the Boston Celtics were the third best team in basketball. Yeah. Mm. Like they could. I, I don't it's think it's, it's, I mean. It's in the locker just, room. I think it's, it's on the bulletin board. It's I think fine. it's a lot less crazy than saying the Bucks are the sixth best team in basketball. But. Uh, I think, <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, we'll just see how the standings play out. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the Bucks become the 76ers, the new age 76ers, second round exit every year? Just saying. Not unthinkable, un, for sure. I think it's probable. <laughs> okay, and I, now I'm being a little crazy. Um, uh, so I don't have uh, the Celtics at three. I said I have the Suns. My Celt- I do have them at two. I'm not delusional. Oh, really? Oh, no, wow. it's because the Celtics I was so have- prepared. I thought you were going to. Oh, no. Okay, because the Celtics I wouldn't even have hate had- that. To like army crawl their way through like wins against the Knicks. Uh, yeah. the, the only time they've looked dominant was against the Wizards tonight. Yeah. Uh, your Nuggets' ugly game was against the Jazz, where they were like comfortably you mean in the control. Grizzlies. I'm playing the Jazz right now. Grizzlies were game two. Grizzlies. Yeah. Yes. On the road. Like, that was your ugly. <clears throat> win and we we played terribly that's what i mean like you very clearly watched for like oh this is just an off game but there was but, never really a point where it was like oh the grizzlies are gonna win this like it was like we we had control of it basically the whole time but it was like ugly like yeah Jokic had that was one of his worst turn like i think he had t- either nine or ten turnovers which is very unlike Jokic. but uh but the you know what's awesome in the midst of that, the, the one highlight that came out of that game was borderline one of Jokic's best passes ever. 
And what a lot of people are, are like, I've, I've seen a lot of people in comment sections saying, how is this not the best pass of all time? Like people who aren't even because of it happened game two. Did <laughs> you see it? Are, do you know what pass I'm talking about? I Where would he, imagine with how you're talking about it, it would immediately come. I watched the game. I mean, not like watched, but hold on. Yeah. So he, it was on an inbounds play. Where he's against on, the Grizzlies? Yeah, he's in the backcourt. Jokic is on. He's the inbounder. He gets handed the ball. I don't think he even touches the ball with his other hand, with his offhand. He grabs the ball with one hand. I'm watching it right now. Okay, yeah, I don't need to explain. He's it. the inbounder, and then just. <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> How did I miss this when I watched the game? The ref just goes, and then he just like. <laughs> <laughs> he did a no look for no reason. Yep, and it was the three quarters length of the court. To oh, I feel and, like I I should and, have said that immediately, but yeah, that's and he that's, like he's behind the three point, well behind the three point line on the other side of the floor, and he throws a perfect lob. Like there's another camera angle. I don't know if you will be able to find it. I saw it on altitudes broadcast but they have another angle where they show it from like the opposite basket so you can see gordon catch the ball actually yep because the the cameraman was not expecting like needing to move all the way to the the hoop that fast you can tell um but he throws a perfect lob which also i saw a comment that was like you can't call this a lob because this was like a bullet like it (laughs) it was just more his wrist movement was so crazy yeah I mean, like that's I. Those are my favorite Jokic passes when he does do that. When he get he he, just, like he he's had a few where he jumps up and he like will gra- he will gracefully caress the ball off of the rim for a rebound and, and turn just, and just launch it down the court all one motion. I mean, like even that. before he was like the Jokic that we recognize, like two time MVP, crazy Jokic. Yeah. What most people probably knew him as was like quarterback Jokic. Yeah. Like full court throwing it. Hmm. Like you know, like that's what I feel like most people knew. Oh, the Denver center's Peyton Manning. LOL, ha ha ha. So he's had he's had a few passes throughout his career that I feel like are in this category. Like, I wouldn't say this is the like definitively the best Jokic pass. Um, he's definitely had a few uh like that like that. But I just love that it's like now that we're on national TV like a lot. <laughs> And people are uh, have more. There's more eyes on the Nuggets now well, I more think than that, ever. Um, like social media, also, I think every team is getting better at clipping. Like yeah. even since COVID, every team has really like a, like aggressively stepped up. Like how much they like spam out. Like look at this crazy thing our player did. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. So I think that that is also helping. But them being in thirty some odd nationally televised games, uh, they're also probably the worst team to be a fan of and not have like some sort of league pass yeah um because of the altitude and even league pass so you can't be that's the worst part is like with league pass you still can't get the games because we're in blackout zone like people who live in denver and even me who lives in omaha still counts as altitude sports networks uh market so i it's blacked out on league pass um can't watch them on there so i have to pay for a whole another oh. subscription for fubo tv I used to be able to use League Pass with a VPN, but now NBA.com has skirted around VPNs and they go by the location of your account and you have to check in with that location on that account every so often to like 
continue to use your sh- subscription, basically. So they're doing like the Hulu thing. How some streaming platforms have Netflix, have yeah. navigated the VPN thing. That um, is actually crazy to me. Um, the because I didn't think about it because the NFL North Platte Nebraska is the line where it turns from Denver to KC, but there's no basketball KC. But the fact that Omaha is not Minneapolis is wild. Oh no, we're all so right now. Like Omaha is in the in Minnesota's market the minneapolis market it's in okc's market and it's in denver's market all three mm. so there's like some overlapping zones you think if the chicago can't be that much further than okc it can't it probably isn't but because okc's like oh wait, no okc's yeah. the closest out of all of those okc's definitely the closest city to it's like six hours oh. away from omaha oh yeah you're over in carney so that's my brain is breaking yes i need to add three hours to my math to denver I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Denver's definitely closer. Yeah. Eight hours from, from Omaha, Denver's eight hours. Minneapolis is about eight hours as well. And then OKC's six hours. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. It's another KC. It's like to KC, exactly halfway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. But because like football's not that hard. It doesn't have like those hard. It's they like when they do their network maps or whatever, it's yeah. like regional ish. And one of their hard region lines is North Platte. They mm-hmm. draw like a circle. And North Platte's the, the in Denver territory. And everything else is not. It's in Kansas City normally. Or yeah. Green Bay. Green Bay and Minnesota games. A lot of the time. If, if Denver's playing, West and North Platte always gets Denver. Do you know what channel Denver is on? Like what their RSN is? The Regional Sports Network? Because like, not, they're not on altitude. I know that. But. Um, is it? I'll, I'll give is it like another Bally Sports one? Like, it feels like most teams are some brand of the not brand, but some region of the Bally Sports Network or whatever. Um, or Bali. I don't even know how to pronounce that. It's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, I was that was just cool though that that was the worst game Jokic has played in like nine months, and. He, that he threw that pass in it in a game that he had te- like nine, I think it was nine, nine turnovers in. I don't know um, if NFL has those. Regional Sports Network? Because you don't, like, each team has their own radio call. I don't think most teams have their own TV broadcast. Oh, okay. Um, And maybe it's because there's less games, so the NFL like. Oh, that makes a lot more sense, yeah. They're, most of them are nationally televised. All of them, in some fashion. It's oh, The NFL yeah. doesn't do nationally, it's like... Nationally, regionally. Yeah, so like Fox East and Fox West type of thing. Kind of, but it's it's even Fox. Okay, here's a perfect example. Uh, week three, week four, the San Francisco 49ers played the Arizona Cardinals. You would think that game would be, only be available on the West Coast. Logically. Yeah. One of the other games like New England-Dallas mm-hmm. was the other game playing at the same time. What happened was the entire West Coast had San Francisco and Arizona – but West Iowa also got the San Francisco Arizona game because Brock Purdy went to Iowa State, and there's enough people in that watch San Francisco football because of Brock Purdy in West Iowa that, that they, they just, change the channel board. Like, how does that even work? They, it's just like what broadcast that your regional Fox gets sent. Oh, so they can they can adjust that however they want. 
Yeah, basically. it's like per well because that's like if a game goes to overtime and another game hasn't started yet. Yeah, but they still like, they still like display it as this is Fox West and this is Fox East. Like they split it in half basically, but they can they can adjust how. Sports. It doesn't say West or East. It just Fox Sports on streaming. It does like on the on the channel, not on like the the screen, but like on the channel guide. Like it will say Fox. East, I've seen that. It says Fox Sports East and Fox Sports West, where like I'll have the two different games of the of the same time slot happening on different coasts or whatever. Well, a lot of the time, it's not even like the same time slot. I always just see it like, um, because like CBS has like six games going on at one time. Sometimes, like on the same channel. I uh huh. On the same network, they're all on Fox, and the way that Fox is, it's not Fox Sports One. It's Fox affiliates, so it's on cable. So yeah. it's like the your I'm trying to th- like like your 1011. I think is a Fox something. No, that's an NBC something. What's the Fox K K K K L L N K N L N? Well, K L I N is out of Lincoln. That's 1011. K G I N is Grand oh. Island. Yeah. Um. It's. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I I don't think this is a. We should probably K F X L, dummy, dummy me. Anyway, I've never even heard of that. K F X L. Yeah, it's. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, that was <laughs> football, basketball broadcast differently. Hopefully, all that is cut and that's all. Um, <laughs> but Denver Nuggets definitely, I think, the best team in the NBA now. Um, Memphis was their one ugly game, and that's just because they had like an end of the game breakdown. Like they didn't have a good game. And they still were like, yeah, we're going to win this. And then almost blew it at the end. Keyword on the almost not really at all. Uh, I don't even remember that. What happened at the end? They had like a double-digit lead at the end, if I remember. Also, these random notes I'm looking at. So what was the final score? A 108-104. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah, I remember that. Okay. Um, yeah, there were, I mean, it was, it got pretty close. Four games now, okay. Yeah, tonight. They played the fourth. Uh, because I've... they destroyed the Thunder. Oh, okay. They comfortably beat the Lakers. Thunder was yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jazz is tonight. Yeah. I watched. Jazz... Yeah. Jazz is happening or happened, whatever. It started at eight. So it's probably still going. It's about done, though. Um, But yeah, I'll watch that after we get done here. Yeah. But the, oh. the Nuggets, though. Uh, So, yeah, that, that Grizzlies game, it was. Definitely ugly uh, for a lot of the players on the team, mainly Jokic. Like I, it was a there was just a huge difference between because I saw some people saying like, "Oh, the Lakers are going to miss the playoffs and the Grizzlies are going to be the three seed because of like they were like the Grizzlies are playing the Nuggets a lot harder." It's like oh, th- that is not what's happening right now. No. If you watch the Lakers game, the Nuggets were like, "We are not going to lose this game," like because they were like making a statement game, uh, yeah. a statement like game one. Um, because they knew the Lakers were coming hard with it. Memphis was obviously the Jokic syndrome of like the Grizzlies out without like their best player and one of their other best players. Um, second game of, the, of a long season. I'm yeah. not really too fired up for it. And that is exactly how almost every player played. <laughs> so other than the, the really young guys who came in off the bench, like a Peyton Watson, um, who has like- been ridiculous with the, I he's not going to stop being a ridiculous shot blocker. Like I, I he's just, 
He stuffed uh, Derrick Rose twice in a row on the same play. That just has to feel amazing to to like as a young guy, you know, yeah. to be like I just I just blocked the crap out of Derrick Rose twice on the same twice. possession. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Peyton Swatson, everybody. But yeah, so I think that'll probably do it for today's episode. Um, we are going to try somehow to get out of this rut that we are in of getting every episode to go two hours plus. Uh, we need to work on that. Well, this one's a lot of cuts. This one's a lot of junk. Yeah. Uh, so we will we'll try to get better at that uh, to better serve you guys as listeners. <laughs> um, but yeah, please check out the uh, shorts on TikTok and all those platforms as well as patreon.com slash hoop3 and buy me a coffee as well. All of the links of those things should be in the description of the show and the episode, wherever you're listening to this. Um, five stars on Spotify helps, or wherever you're listening, five stars would be thankful, mm-hmm. appreciated. Um, I think hit everything else. Yeah, so I would just say that you guys should stay happy, you should stay healthy, and we will talk to you guys next episode. Peace! Peace!